0: Welcome to Extra Plasm Podcast. It's the only podcast on the internet that's hoping the Frozen Ghostbusters logo revealed on Ghostbusters Day means that the ghost of John Rockefeller is the big bad of the next Ghostbusters movie, his mid-level bosses are the ghosts of over 90 wrongfully murdered spruce trees with unfinished business, and the finale takes place at Rock Center Ice Rink, where Tracy Morgan gets a cameo. I'm your host Jim Meritato, a.k.a. Think Maniac on the internet, and I'm excited to be with you for another exciting episode of Extraplasm. This week, Troy Benjamin joins the podcast, who many listeners will know as the half of the Ghostbusters Interdimensional crossfit podcast that isn't Chris Stewart, or as Ghostbusters HQ on the internet. But we did it, everybody! I got them both! We collected a set! But in all seriousness, uh, Troy is an outstanding person who has worked on Ghostbusters media projects in print, and video, in front of the camera as a host, behind the camera in production, on the mic for a podcast, on other mics for DVD commentaries, behind the scenes for promotional materials, and that doesn't even scratch the surface of other work he's done that has nothing to do with Ghostbusters. So uh, it was truly excellent to get to talk with Troy about his experiences working on Ghostbusters media and, as he put it, his life as a professional fan. Uh, so we'll get to that after a brief recap of some of the week's news, or what little there is of the week's news, given that a lot of the Ghostbusters-related announcements that would happen in June probably happened during Ghostbusters Day week. But I wanted to put this out there before we get into you know what news there is this week to remind folks at the top of the show that as we move into summer, uh, as we get into convention and parade season and being in full swing, and then behind them comes Halloween. Many franchises and charity fan groups are like in peak season. So if you, your franchise or working on anything you want to let folks know about, please reach out via social media on Instagram or Twitter at extraplasm or via email at extraplasm podcast at gmail.com. There's a lot that goes on at this time of year and I'm excited to help people find out about like-minded groups working on projects. Uh, And I'm eager to help folks find new collaborative stuff to do. I want a new collaborative project after seeing the Starlight Children's Foundation gowns come out and sort of reach the real world this month. I want us to do more uh, that's collaborative and that can be productive and helpful for the world under the banner of Ghostbusters. So uh, if that's you. If you're doing some of that work, please, by all means, reach out. Let the podcast know. Let me know, etc. cetera. So uh, with that little reminder out of the way. Let's talk now about some Ghostbusters headlines. Still making headlines all across the country. The Ghostbusters are at it again. Today, the entire eastern seaboard is alive with talk of incidents of paranormal activity.
1: On in topic today, ghosts and ghostbusting. Y
0: extra plasm, read all about it. Ghostbusters headline coming at ya. This week in Ghostbusters Filming News, we're going to keep things pretty light and vague because, you know, we're not talking about spoilers. And if you are looking for spoilery footage of the Ecto-1 driving around New York City, there is no shortage of places to find that on the Internet. Uh, And and to be fair, like if we were to get into that, we would have to talk a lot about, you know, things that were seen on it or not seen on it or whatever. Um, But instead, let's talk about some things that are generally spoiler free. And if there is one reason why the Ecto-1 has been captured so much in New York City, it's because it seems that the stunt driving team has been nothing but accommodating to fans. Um, And while I don't want to point out like a specific story and then say, go look at it and then have you be like, oh, I saw spoilers I don't want to see. I'm confident there's at least one story on Ghostbusters News talking about a family that uh, met the stunt actors working uh, on the Ecto-1 in New York City. And the reason I wanted to bring this up was that um, it's kind of wild to watch the stunt performers, um, you know, kind of engage people who have been coming out, like kids who are coming out to watch from the sidelines, including this family that's talked about in the Ghostbusters news article, uh, who have a who have a toddler um, who's in New York City for cancer treatment, Um, and, and essentially they got called over to the car because the kids were on the side of the road, and one of the kids was sort of joking and flirting with the uh, stunt actor who's there filling in for one of the performers and, Um, you know, they thought it was kind of amusing and they ended up having a a meet and greet and it was a big opportunity and a moment for these kids to kind of meet performers dressed as Ghostbusters. Um, Even if they were not the principal cast to me, I wouldn't care. I'd be like, this is the car. These are the Ghostbusters. This is amazing. Um, But I mean, it's not like everybody's going to have that experience. I'm not saying like, hey, run out to the bring grab your kids and run out into the streets of New York City. Dive directly in front of the cattle. Like, don't do that. (laughs) But what I am saying is that I think it's kind of cool and I want to say to the stunt performers who are making amazing impressions with fans young and old like bravo and nice job this is by no means a put down on anybody working on a closed set but to be shooting action and stunt sequences in a big and busy city outdoors and in public view constantly uh, with tons of people filming you other than the people who are supposed to be, while remaining outstanding ambassadors of movie making and ghostbusters is just freaking phenomenal. Uh, I think it's amazing. I, th- I think it's like so heartwarming to see the folks who are essentially a second unit working on stuff uh that will be, you know, meshed into the movie, probably with things that were shot overseas take so much love and care for what they're doing in terms of how they're engaging the folks on the street, the people who are watching them, et cetera. Um, at no point do you get any sense that there's like animosity or that anybody is annoyed to have to be dealing with being in New York city, which I mean, I, I was born and raised in New York and I will tell you most people who are walking around New York. Well, I mean, you've heard this before, um, treating other people like dirt and, um, is something, 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 um, Yeah being miserable and treating other people like dirt is every New Yorkers, God given, right? So, um, <laughs> that's that the fact that people are being really kind in New York, uh, and doing it under the banner of Ghostbusters is wonderful. And I hope that when this movie comes together, we get to kind of pick out and see who those performers were and learn a little, little more about them because, um, you know, often you don't get to find out so much about the stunt actors in a film. And clearly, you know, if you're driving around in the Ecto one in New York city, you're probably doing some pretty important work as far as I'm concerned. At the same time as there's been a lot of filming around NYC for different driving sequences, Jason Reitman has actually turned up in New York at Hook and Ladder 8 a few times this week, including during a chance meeting with previous Extraplasm guest Dan Lieberg of the Buffalo Ghostbusters, who was still in town from Ghostbusters Day uh, at the firehouse. So um, that was kind of cool because they got to meet up briefly. And uh, my understanding is that Dan got to tell Jason a bit about how the day went, Um, which I mean, it's kind of amazing. Um, to me, I think this is kind of great because the Ecto one has also been seen at hook and ladder eight as well. So while we're not going to get into details about what may have been filmed there. Um, I will say this, it is straight up amazing that Ghostbusters day happened. There was a gathering of Ecto ones and Ecto one inspired vehicles. There was an entire fan festival with live music and a wedding with a charity benefit. And then, you know, like 48 to 72 hours later, the an actual Ecto car. Like I have a hard time calling it the Ecto one because it's, you know, it's still a recto repainted, but you know, an Ecto one, an actual production Ecto one was outside the firehouse. Uh, And the director of the previous movie and the script writer of this one was at the firehouse and filming began to be set up around the firehouse. And it's like truly wild to think about the idea that like, Part of the reason we had a light Ghostbusters Day on news and announcements and things is because the work is being done now to make sure that the next Ghostbusters Day will be one that's full of hype and excitement, <laughs> whether it's because we just came off of a movie and we're heading into a 40th anniversary or because the movie is about to come out. And so I think that like that's kind of the neatest thing ever, that like Ghostbusters Day is now uh so well associated not just with like the production of you know one movie or like uh you know when it came out or say that like another movie came out a, a week later <laughs> five years after the first one but no like literally now like this movie's being produced through ghostbusters day and so it just i think it kind of is going to have a real a heartwarming thing for us to think about how important that day is not just for one film anymore, but kind of for the entire franchise, which I don't know, just kind of neat. Maybe it's only neat in my brain and nobody else thinks this. But for me, I'm enjoying it. (laughs) So um, I don't know. We'll find out. We'll find out if this becomes a sticking thing and if I'm the only one who thinks that it's kind of a neat thing. when We get to the next Ghostbusters Day and we figure out what it is we're celebrating. And perhaps a little more revelatory news regarding the plot of the next movie, except not really because we're not going to talk about spoilers, Uh, Dan Aykroyd made some additional UK media appearances since you last heard from me. First, he made a tweet saying, In the UK, working on Ghostbusters, cracking a bottle of Crystal Head to celebrate my day with comic genius Patton Oswalt, his stuff alone worth the price of admission. So first, let us observe that Dan Aykroyd is ever the competent promoter, killing not one, not two, but three birds with one stone, promoting Ghostbusters, promoting his vodka and complimenting a colleague. So way to go, Dan. <laughs> um, but beyond that, I guess we should expect Patton Oswald to be playing a funny character. Um, you know, that's what he's saying there essentially is that Patton Oswald is funny. This, by my view, is not mind blowing, nor a spoiler Generally speaking, if you cast Patton Oswald in something, you're doing so because you want someone who's funny and has a sardonic wit and or who can voice an animated rat. Um, there's no big shocks here. You don't generally cast Patton Oswald because you're looking for a deeply dramatic actor who's going to come in and uh, get you an Oscar level performance. Uh, weeping on screen. Like that's not, you know, so I'm surprised that Oswald was probably brought into comedy. Uh, and later in the week, Dan Schreiber's podcast, we can be weirdos featured Dan as a guest. And around the 15 minute mark, Dan Aykroyd engages a question about cursed objects saying Michael Jackson bought that armoire. I think he bought it at the Paris flea market. Brought it home to his house and the thing would rattle. And the thing, there was something going on in there. So he finally had to sell it. And that's part of the premise of the new Ghostbusters movie we're working on. Objects can hold spirits and they can hold energy and they can have, as you know, the term, it's called psychometric value. Now, I've seen people freak out a little bit about this, like since he said this as if it's like a big plot point um, and as if it's like a spoiler, but it's not. Uh, To be real, if you're a Ghostbusters fan, this is not mind blowing for you. Because you already know that objects can hold energy and spirits. In fact, there was an entire movie about a painting that held a malevolent spirit um, in 1989. And I mean, to be real, if you watched Ghostbusters Afterlife, there was an energy and a spirit that could be contained inside of PKE meters and that moved desk lamps. Um, So to me, as much as I've heard people say, I think he's talking out of turn or like he's off talking about things that nobody wants any talking about yet. This is like telling me the next Jaws movie takes place in a large saltwater body um, because, you know, the presence of large predator fish might be present as well uh, because of this term. You know, I think it's called salinity. (laughs) Like it's it's not at all, um, you know, a a big thing here. And and this is not like, you know, downplay headlines as much as I want to say that Dan does a pretty good job of stating things that might be mind blowing or revelatory to casual fans who might not know the universe well. But I don't think he's saying anything we don't already know about how Ghostbusters works when he says an object might contain a ghost. (laughs) Like, yeah. In fact, there's some objects that the Ghostbusters build in order to put ghosts into them So that they can contain ghosts. (laughs) This is like not to me. I'm like, mm hmm, great. Dan basically managed to figure out how to say Ghostbusters at the end of a sentence that was about Michael Jackson's armoire. So I don't really think, if you're mad at me right now, because you're like, dude, spoilers, I'm sorry, but this is not a spoiler. This Dan Aykroyd saying that ghosts can be inside objects is not, it's not even really a revelatory plot point, but. I digress. It's still cool that this is happening, and I think it's funny that he's out talking about Michael Jackson's armoire and Ghostbusters in the same sentence, and it really amuses me. But I don't know. Maybe we should make this a new segment. We could call it Uncle Dan Makes the Obvious Seem Really Mysterious. <laughs> um, in Ghostbusters Gaming News, a company named Immersive Gamebox has announced a new in-person gaming experience called Ghostbusters The Cursed Collection, that will be coming to immersive game box locations worldwide. Their uh, press release on this, or at least the blurb that's on their website currently, describes the game as follows. New York City has been overrun with supernatural activity, but don't worry, the Ghostbusters are on their way. Dive headfirst into another dimension with our brand new game, Ghostbusters The Cursed Collection. Your mission? Recover the cursed artifacts that were stolen from the Ghostbusters firehouse and capture the ghosts wreaking havoc on the city. You may even recognize a few. Think you've got what it takes to join the Ghostbusters team? We'll see about that. So first things first, let's just mention here that Uncle Dan said that the next Ghostbusters movie might involve a cursed artifact or something. So clearly that's what this game is about. I'm kidding. But um, but realistically, I have to say that it was a little bit of a work to... Uh, to figure out what immersive game box is and how it differs from something like Ghostbusters game offered at HoloGate locations. Um, this was essentially like a text release put out on a website that came out, uh, I believe like the day after we had the last podcast and what I've been able to discern because there's not any images of gameplay or video of gameplay of what this is, is that where is the hollow um, You know, the VR helmet thing has like a VR headset and goggles and a gun and you're like tethered to a bunch of equipment in a room for 50, you know, for 15 minutes. Immersive Gamebox has players wear like a visor that's like a baseball cap. So not like a visor that goes over your eyes, but like a visor, like you work at a fast food restaurant <laughs> and it has several tracking balls on it. And then images are projected onto the walls of a room that you're in using projection mapping and the walls are like interactive touch screens. So, Imagine like an escape room experience that has interactive walls where different content can be loaded in on the fly rather than like a room that has to be set up with physical props for one game only that's played over and over again by many people. So it's not really clear what the content for this game will be yet, but it will be releasing July 31st at immersive game box locations. To be fair, there are only 22 immersive game box locations worldwide uh, with 14 in the U.S., one in Berlin and then a handful in the U.K. and in Dubai. I may have missed something in there between uh, those places. But the point is that this may not be something we can all get to. I know for me, it's a two and a half hour trek in each direction. So if it's really like an escape room style thing, it would be more interesting to me because that would maybe be like, you know, 45 minutes to an hour of interaction and gameplay rather than like a 15 minute VR game. I don't really know though uh, what the length of time is or like what the experience is because none of that's been made available. So um, if there's, if you might want to go to the Immersive Game Box website at immersivegamebox.com and see if you can find a location that's near you. Um, I will say that if there is one near you and you end up going and you want to uh, talk to me about it or uh, you know sort of feature any video you get at it or anything share it with the podcast, it would be much appreciated because I don't know that I'm going to make it all the way out for like, you know, a day trip <laughs> to go do a Ghostbusters thing in Rancho Cucamonga, which I believe is the only place that I can go in California to go do this. That's reasonable. I think that this next place would be San Jose, which is even further. Um, so yeah, um that's kind of neat if they're, you know, regardless if you can't get to it, I still think it's kind of cool that we're at a point where the ghostbusters is being licensed out into multiple different game venues. You've got, you know, like, um, your VR experience that you can do at hollow You've got your VR experience. You can do at home with the, uh, the meta quest that's going to be coming out. You've got this experience that you can do at an immersive game box. I mean, who knows what's coming next? Cause it seems like there's quite a bit to, uh, you know, tap into at a licensing level. And we're going to talk about this a little bit in merch news. Um, in a few moments. But before we get to that, let's talk about one more video game or gaming thing. If you're a fan of Jetpack Joyride and you appreciated their previous Ghostbusters' tie-in content, you've got about a week before that goes away forever. While the campaign had ended quite a while back, the developer brought back content for Ghostbusters Day last week uh, and then announced that the licensing agreement that they are holding with uh, Sony or Ghost Core currently is ending at the end of the month. As Ghostbusters news is reported, you have one final chance to fly around as a character dressed as a Ghostbuster wearing a proton pack jetpack before the content is officially retired on the 27th of June. I will admit to having never played a uh, jetpack joyride, but I do believe you can get it in the app store on uh, Android or uh, iOS devices. So uh, feel free to go check that out if you haven't before. Uh, maybe I should before I can't. And then someone says, hey, did you ever play the jetpack joyride thing? that had Ghostbusters in it. And I go, no, I was too busy talking about how other people should go do it and um, how I never have. So I just never did. Isn't that stupid? And people will go, yeah. So um, I'm going to, you know, maybe I'll fork the timeline after I finish recording this podcast. We'll see. So let's talk about merch news. I feel like we're in the calm before the storm because, you know, like between the normal glut of Halloween merchandise that we should start to see probably, you know, like the next few weeks. Usually by middle of July, before we get to SDCC, we start to see some of that. And certainly by the time we get to the first week of August, when you start to see your Spirit Halloween's open, you start to see your Halloween merch start to show up. Um, But you've got a new film coming out as well and several other, you know, different Ghostbusters media products to market. And one indicator, though, of what to expect is that Sony Consumer Products Division had a notable presence at the Licensing Expo, which is a big, huge exposition of place like a place where basically different brands go and different people who have licenses to license or IP to license. They go to show off what they are going to be marketing over the next year and doing a big push on. So Sony wasn't there just to talk about Ghostbusters. They had a really big push for Cobra Kai, which is in its last television series or season and which they also own. They had like action figures for Cobra Kai to show off to people and all kinds of stuff. They didn't have any products. Related to Ghostbusters because this was more of an opportunity for them to go and say we are seeking to you know license out our IP to you because you might want to do a marketing tie-in with us because of what we have on the horizon and so they had a big interactive display where Expo participants could use a Neutrona wand to blast a Ghostbusters logo from the new movie The Frozen One out of a brick wall uh, among other things that were in that wall that I'm not necessarily going to talk about because I don't know if they're in the new movie or if they're just old marketing uh, but. Um to be honest, I thought this video was kind of funny because the person using the wand kind of looked like they were trying to rapidly power wash a house um, using a neutrona wand as opposed to bust ghosts, but I digress. but per Sony's press release, um their their press release says as follows: in 2023, Sony Pictures Consumer Products continues to lay the framework for fan engagement through strategic collaborations and by reimagining its breadth of franchises many of which are set to come to life on the big screen through feature films and renewed television series in 2023 and 2024. Now, the part we care about most. From Sony Pictures Entertainment, the iconic multimedia franchise Ghostbusters approaches an incredibly exciting chapter with an upcoming milestone 40-year anniversary in 2024. The lead-up will include all new content, including a much-anticipated sequel to Ghostbusters Afterlife and two new offerings from Sony Pictures Animation. The first ever Ghostbusters animated movie and a Ghostbusters animated series, both currently in development. Following the Smash hit Ghostbusters Afterlife, a film that introduced an iconic property to an entirely new generation of fans, the Afterlife sequel will return the franchise back to New York City where the first 1984 movie took place. So there isn't more, obviously, in this press release about Cobra Kai and other stuff. It's not so much relevant to us as Ghostbusters fans. The big question we have to ask ourselves is why is this happening now? Like why is there a big thing at this? (laughs) Um, expo versus the last one, uh, given that you would have thought there would need to be some time to work up to licensing agreements for this upcoming movie. Um, Here is my speculative answer to this. I bet you that a whole bunch of these marketing agreements and licensing agreements for the new movie coming out may already be done, and some of them may even be uh, deals that were hammered out because they had the time to hammer them out during the fallout from the pandemic, waiting for the last movie to uh, be released. So, um, some of those deals may have even been package deals like, Hey, we're going to get afterlife and you're going to get the sequel to it. So, um, you know, but, but why is this happening now? Cause there's also the opportunity to start marketing and start looking at things like toy production and, uh, you know, marketing tie-ins for a cartoon movie, as well as a cartoon television series. So, um, you know, we didn't get to see anything at this in terms of, what they're going to be selling, because this is more about going out to people who want to create products and saying, hey, do you want to get a license from us so you can make bobblehead dolls of the new animated cartoon figures that we don't have yet? Well, let's get in touch, you know. So um, but to me, that is a calm before the storm moment. Like the obviously the products is not here yet, but here is Sony off with Ghostbusters alongside all their other products, making a big deal of it and saying, hey, we have a forty-year you know, 40 year anniversary opportunity to be putting out new merchandise and new stuff. Come and get on board, get a license with us, produce a product, you know. And so, um, will we see a lot more stuff in the next few months related to merch? Yeah, um, for sure. And as we get into not just having a new movie, but having an animated movie, having an animated series, I think the floodgates are going to open on products so much that, um, I'm going to need a new addition to my house for my action figure collection because even though I say I'm paring down, the more they make, the more I will need. And you know it, you know it. Ah, 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 I can't believe I just did that. Let's chat real quick about some other merchandise news. Bradford Exchange has a new Ghostbusters light-up globe available on their website, bradfordexchange.com. It has 3 LED lights, plays the Ghostbusters song, uh features the Ecto-1 and Firehouse on the front with Stay Puft standing above it. Uh, he's like inside the globe with all this glitter around him and it measures about 5.5 inches in width by 6.5 inches in height coming in at a whopping $129 and 99 cents. Um, so I will say, uh, it, this looks nice. It's kind of fun. If you're into snow globes and collectibles of that sort of thing, you may want to pick this up for me. This will be a too rich for my blood at that price <laughs> kind of thing, because, uh, I just can't stomach paying $130 for Uh, A thing that I may shake a couple times and then shove into a curio cabinet that I haven't bought yet and will need to spend another $200 on. Uh, So, (laughs) if you're into snow globes, though, it is a pretty cool snow globe. I'm being snarky about price, but I get it. Um, You know, collectibles are not cheap, and these are, I think, limited in number. They're Bradford Exchange items, so who knows? Uh, As I said um, a a bit earlier, in terms of the workup to Halloween and other things and the calm before the storm, As we get closer to Halloween season, we should expect to see some more Ghostbusters merch, but if nothing else, we're going to get restocks of stuff we've seen before. Ghostbusters News reported this week that the 80% size Spirit Halloween Proton Pack that retails for about $90 in the U.S. is back in stock. To be clear, this is not the new life-size pack released this year, but the earlier released 80% size pack that was available last season, and uh, in previous seasons it was the same shell but didn't have the same paint job on it and the same... Uh, pack straps and et cetera. So, this is arguably still a great option for those of you who want to take advantage of the vast array of custom parts available out there for this particular Spirit Halloween Proton Pack platform. If you're building on a budget and you uh, don't want to wait, you know, spend as much money as you would on the full size pack um, or go wait to spend even more money from HalloweenCostumes.com because you f- like to punish yourself. more, um, you, you are building for kids. If you're building for kids, this might be a perfect pack because, um, it's something where a full size pack for some kids is just too big. It would be like smacking them in the back of the knees as they walked. Um, so it still kind of remains a good option for those folks. If that's something you're looking for, keep that in mind. And, uh, the other things you sort of know about in terms of merch, and this is not so much like accessible, like, Hey, you're going to run out and buy it, but it's just kind of cool to know about. The Prop Store Entertainment Memorabilia Live Auction is happening at the end of this month, and we talked about this in the previous episode that that was going to be happening. It includes a whole bunch of items from across Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters Two, and Ghostbusters: Answer the Call. So, um, if you haven't gone and taken a look at the catalog from Prop Store, like you totally got to look at what's there because it's so much cool stuff that, like, I can't believe that it all exists. Someone still had much of it, but um, the Prop Store YouTube channel now has a nine-minute video that specifically focuses on the Ghostbusters Answer the Call props, where they have a host detailing the functionality and differences between various versions of those props that they have up for auction. It's a really cool video that shows off some of how the practical elements of those props work, so like how the LEDs worked and things that were then used alongside the CG effects that were added. So, um, something cool to take a look at if nothing else. And you can find it by going to the YouTube, uh, going to YouTube and then going to the prop store, uh, as the channel and take a look at the videos they have up there from this past week. And you'll find a ghostbusters video. There's also a bunch of other amazing, cool stuff that's going to be available at that auction, uh, that you can find videos of, you can find their entire catalog on the props on prop uh, dot com. And I can't like stress enough that it's just like an insane amount of cool stuff that's going to be available. It also costs an insane amount of money because it's one of a kind, you know, props that were screen used or production used. So this is not, you know, cheap, but if it's your kind of thing, if you collect that, this is going to be an amazing uh, auction opportunity. And I'm hoping to see some of this stuff later this week in person, because there is a VIP uh, preview of the auction that's happening at the Peterson museum. So, uh, which is a car museum in LA across the street from, uh, the Academy museum. So I'm hoping to see that later on this week and to maybe have some more details or insights to provide back to the listenership, uh, from being at that. But if nothing else, you can take a look at the really, I mean, just a very cool detailed video on how those props work, how they turn on what they do, etc. And Um, I mean, I, I think that's kind of neat. That's something that you don't really get to see in most behind the scenes footage. So to get it from somebody who's trying to sell this stuff at auction is kind of awesome. So, um, and I think that about wraps things up on headlines for this week. So, um, let's go now to the conversation that I had with Troy Benjamin. And this is a conversation that we had actually on the 16th of June. So on the actual anniversary of Ghostbusters 2, um, so you may hear that reference in this conversation a bit. And I just want to give you that piece of context in case you're going, why are they talking about how Ghostbusters 2 had an advert? That's why. Because we literally had this conversation on the anniversary of Ghostbusters 2. So um, so let's go now to that conversation with Troy Benjamin. Joining me on the podcast, a multi-hyphenate content creator, producer, uh i'm like camera person you're just pointed at me and counted <laughs> down the numbers while like they counted down in this app we used to record i, and did I know the Wayne's recording for and you that, like, that a was a movie intro.
1: reference that that wasn't professional
0: <laughs> it was but i want to know if you really do it now where because everybody troy benjamin is joining us on the podcast and i was like <laughs> you need a better introduction than that you're like author content creator but i want to say like lore master you're somebody who has like had your hands and dabbled in marvel and ghostbusters you've like gotten to extend lore into books like the ectomobile book yeah. uh and like you're them writing about wakanda you've shot behind the scenes stuff you've been on dvd commentaries like I gave this a lot of thought. I was like, how am I going to describe you? And then I just botched (laughs) it. This is Troy Benjamin. People are sick of him.
1: That's how you should have introduced me. It should have been like, (laughs) this is the guy who, when you see his
0: name on the book, you go, oh God, this fool again. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's true at all. Your podcast has returned like from hiatus. People are thrilled about that. Um, I know I've had conversations with that. I was, I was happy about it because I mean. No, of course. Like I joke about the fact that this was the podcast that emerged because yours was missing. And I went, I want to talk about Ghostbusters and the people who did every <laughs> you're week. you're doing the here. Lord's work.
1: That's why it was like when you asked me to come on Extra Plasma, I was like, Oh, but you're doing all the work,
0: Jim. Like, why do I need to? Oh, yeah. OK, OK. okay yeah. It may be the dark Lord's work. I'm not <laughs> sure which Lord's work it is. People say that phrase, but um, hopefully people are enjoying I it. I wonder so why thank your you last podcast
1: was completely in reverse. That was very strange to me. But,
0: I um, you know, right. Um, I wonder what would happen if you played it in reverse. I was thinking about this, though, that this weird fun fact about you that I don't know if you know Uh-oh. that as much content as you do create, like. You've done all this other, like all the stuff you do, like you've worked on, um, like you most recently were posting on your Instagram, like you're shooting content for Indiana Jones stuff, like you've done behind the scenes work on Ghostbusters stuff, yeah. you've done lore extension work on Ghostbusters, but there's a thing you don't do, which is you don't produce baseball for the Yes Network. <laughs> That's another Troy Benjamin and <laughs> he he
1: and I have actually gotten to be Instagram or er, uh uh Twitter friends because of our confusing names and we're both producers um, and he is obviously a producer for the New York Yankees, and I am in Los Angeles and a Los Angeles Dodgers fan, which makes things very interesting.
0: Um,
1: but uh, yeah, he's he's such a good dude, and he has been doing the broadcasts for for their network now for I don't know, like ten years. He's like their senior producer and stuff. And so yeah, when you search for Troy Benjamin producer, you either get uh that troy benjamin or myself troy benjamin and he's he's the good look i like to say he's the good looking troy benjamin i'm the like nerdy schlubby uh troy
0: benjamin i look i relate to this problem some people i don't know if i've told this story in this podcast or not i might have but my name is the same as the guy who was nunzio and little guido from the wwf like we have the same name oh that's funny (laughs) yes so, I have received fan mail for him like <laughs> over my years of having a Gmail address. And um, one time, a best Western in Texas sent me the receipts for his hotel stay. And most recently, Peacock. Appears to have added him to my Peacock account, which of course that's how you access WWF wrestling as right, Peacock, right? Yeah. So it all adds up. Like, but like, oh, that's fun. Uh, His he was added to my Peacock and then suddenly removed from my Peacock. Like somebody went, "Oh, we got you on your account, sir," and he was like, "I don't know what you're Wait talking about. It's not here."
1: Yeah, that's yeah. Funny. So um, I
0: I understand. Like having a name of person who's like. La- like I obviously he's not laterally. I'm not a wrestler, so we don't have that confusion. No, no.
1: And well, and what's <laughs> funny? There's a third Troy Benjamin uh, who works in Atlanta uh, and is a, a camera video assist guy, and has worked on the same shows uh, in a couple instances that I have been on. So there will be like. I have to, I have to email IMDB because he'll have like credit <laughs> for my thing and I'll have credit for his thing and we'll have to like his reconcile thing. it. It's, it's very funny, but yeah, it's, that's so weird. Troy Benjamin. Well, who knew that that was like a common name? I,
0: I yeah. certainly didn't. Yeah. It's funny. Like, but I have to admit, like, I was like, I wanted to go back and look cause I was like, I know all these things that I know, like I have talked to you about over the years, but I was like, what else is in your like list of stuff you've worked on. And when it came, I said, you're not the guy who did Yankees baseball at best. You would do hockey. No. Yeah. Baseball is
1: like, I, I love going to baseball games. I love watching baseball on TV, but no, that's not something I would be able to produce. But uh, yeah, that's, I, so I've done books. I've done, um, yeah. DVD, uh, EPK behind the scenes features. Like I've done documentaries for, for, uh, DVDs for, I don't know, God, 10, 15 years now. Um, and then up until recently I was working at Disney. I was doing, uh, production management overseeing shows that were on Disney plus, um, and writing books in my free time, uh, Ghostbusters and Marvel and, and some other ones that, that people haven't heard about yet. And yeah, it's, uh, I I do a lot, you know, it's tough to be yeah, an actor do. slash model. Um, but <laughs> Yeah. The slashy awards. <laughs>
0: you're, so you're a multi, multi hyphen. <laughs> like it's not one hyphen is not sufficient. You have to have, it makes LinkedIn very hyphens. tough. It
1: makes, it makes that whole experience. Dude. I, LinkedIn, LinkedIn frustrated. That's why I avoid but, LinkedIn. Uh, I just like people are like you need a job as a writer slash producer slash. No, but no, That's fine. No, I'm okay. Thank <laughs> you. I'll figure it out. Yeah.
0: I always find the folks I'm using on LinkedIn who are curating content like it's Facebook. Like, they're like, this is what's going on today. And I'm going to talk about my industry. And it's like, does this work? I don't know if this works. Uh, like, do people, I don't know if that gets people visibility jobs. Like, maybe.
1: But, yeah, I don't know. Like, right now, sad as it is to say, like, when I go into LinkedIn, and again, another reason why I avoid it is just everybody is, it's that same post. It's like, I unfortunately, I was laid off today. And I was like, well, it's like all right. of us, thousands and thousands of us. So you just go right. in and. It's, it's like the group support group therapy for people who have been laid off now, uh, as opposed to trying (laughs) to find a a job. But yeah, but, but we're here to talk about Ghostbusters and stuff, right? That's the fun thing. Yes.
0: Yes. Well, that's the thing. No, well, it's fine because that's what happens is according to Ghostbusters. You were destined to get thrown out of whatever dump you have been thrown out of. I believe
1: everything happens for a reason. So that you can
0: go into business for yourself. Yeah, that's like. Well, going into business for
1: yourself is not lucrative in this day and age. In the 80s, (laughs) it was. It was the Reagan era. And yeah, but um, yeah. (laughs)
0: To go into business for. A multinational <laughs> corporation that has an app and that doesn't want to treat you as an employee, but is happy to treat you as a potentially a contractor. Yes, someone that's, who that's gives what
1: good health insurance benefits. Yeah, that's a uh, that's
0: um, that yeah. No, I, I hear you. I'm sorry. I don't mean like, hey, let's be sad now. Thanks for coming on the show. Well, oh, my let's dad talk about, died when numbers came. My dad is well, very I will alive. Say this,
1: though. I love you, Dad. Don't worry about I, it. yeah.
0: I will say this uh, I this much as this is a good way out of this like p- this little Spiral. bucket of sadness we've seemed to have we we're gonna stop spiraling we're level out. it's fine w- during the pandemic uh you know this because you have because I gave you a piece of art because of this there was like a point where you just began posting the Groundhog day meme like of the <laughs> clock rolling over to 6 a.m. Like every day I'd wake up and Troy would have retweeted out the Groundhog Day meme. And after a while it became like, it was the most grounding thing. It was like, well, we're still here and the clock's still rolling over. And it became like a thing that I like looked for. It began, started by day every day. So Oh God, um, does that you know, show you how
1: crazy it, we were going during the pandemic? I was posting that and then I had, I had the, the production draft of Groundhog Day and the original Danny Rubin draft of Groundhog Day. And every day I would take... <laughs> Like a scene and compare what was different between the two of them because that's the only (laughs) thing that was keeping me like my advent calendar. Um, yeah, it was, it was nuts. I'm glad that pandemic thing is not over but we're pretending and the that pandemic is.
0: sucked i'm not like hey the pandemic was great wasn't it a great time where we were all stuck in the house slowly going insane no. and we were trying to buy ghostbusters toys on the internet and people wanted to yell at each other about it like not like no that's every day um, you don't need um, a that pandemic part was hard that. that happens every right, day it yeah. <laughs> just happens but like i um i, I mean that I, I appreciated that your presence was there like as a grounding force Rolling oh, over thanks. the clock yeah, that, on a regular basis. I feel, so, I
1: feel like other people probably felt the same way where it just felt like. Uh, who knew what calendar date it was, <laughs> let alone what day of the week it was, it just didn't. It was all one long day during the pandemic and work that work at home. They molded into one and yeah, it was. Yeah,
0: I don't know how somebody didn't just create that as an account. Like, as a TikTok account where they just did Groundhog Day and just like woke up every day and just did it. Like, cause you could have, it was the ideal time to do Don't it. Don't forget so. your
1: booties, cause it's cold out there. Um, but uh, yeah, that was, uh, yeah, you, you, you were, you gave me those Groundhog Day pins, and those are, I had to hide those because my, my five year old daughter is now obsessed with enamel pins. So anything <laughs> that I have received, I have to like pry away. Like I have a great stay puffed pin. I got a couple of uh, pins from my, my Lucasfilm friends when I went to star Wars celebration. Um, and, but she always is, is very quick to tell me like, I let you have those pins. I'm like, I, I th- those were <laughs> given to me specifically. It's not that you let no, this me have it. them. It's that I did not give no. them to you. And yeah, the groundhog this day here they're right now. here. They're safe. Uh, I don't want those this. to be is your acquired. life now. Yeah.
0: You you are not collecting anything. Your kids are collecting everything.
1: It's weird. It's re- like, I remember stealing my dad's Walkman, his sports Walkman. <laughs> and I was like, this is mine now. And now I know like that was a real jerk move. Like if I do that, if my kids do that to me, I'm like, no, that's not your Walkman. I don't know why they would steal. I don't have a, a cassette Walkman anymore, but
0: I am in my forties and I went out to the garage the other day and realized that I, Still have my dad's screwdrivers that I totally stole to work on computers <laughs> when I was like 14. Um I still have them in my computer kit. And I was like, where did I get these old craftsmen? And I was like, oh, right. These are I'm dads. I stole these a long time yeah. ago. So, yeah, that's, you know, the, thing, the good The good thing is you you have kids. I don't. So when I when I'm old, they won't have no one will have stolen any of my stuff, but. I, I will be alone. The cat will have take stuff. it because
1: the cats are going to be <laughs> right. sentient in about 10, 15 years. And they're going to inherit the earth oh, from yeah. us because we just messed it up royally. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, um, well, you know, maybe that'll be the plot of a Ghostbusters movie at some point. It'll be about the sentient <laughs> the, cats the that cat have been <laughs>
1: overtaking. Yeah.
0: Yes. Um, because of a, um, a paranormal cat that comes to life out of Egypt or something. I think that it's was like a fifth and...
1: season of real ghostbusters episode. Now that I'm
0: th- <laughs> <laughs> <Is> <laughs> it's it like a- the Persian <laughs> cats took over. Yeah, <laughs> that could be true. I don't remember. Um, well, I am excited to talk to you even though we were rambling through a whole yes. bunch of non ghostbusters. Thanks
1: for staying with this podcast. Everybody that turned it off, like, Oh, it's that Troy guy. And then they talked about Walkman no and did Persian cats.
0: No, they all like turned it on when they heard you were coming on the podcast. That was why they showed up. What they did was they hit that 30 seconds forward thing. And so they're just skipping over the parts where I'm talking and then (laughs) they get to the parts where you're talking and like, ah, yes, it's Troy and he's good. Um, I'm kidding. But um, I'm excited you're here because you have done a ton of stuff with Ghostbusters. Like you have run Ghostbusters HQ for how many years now?
1: Uh, I'm terrible at math. Ninety five, I think it started. So we're.
0: I wanted your answer to be 95 years. I, 90, like, it was
1: 95 years ago. Listen to me. Back when you were <laughs> punching in your card to access the internet and putting the phone on the, the cradle. <laughs> um, no, it, yeah, it started in 90. It was either ninety-five or ninety-six, so uh don't quote me on it. But yeah, it's 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 been it's been a hot minute. But then the other thing too is there was like a a, a brief period in time there where I um went to college and I was like nerds.
0: And I didn't do any <laughs> of that kind of
1: stuff. Um so and the website kind of dissipated and and we had a malware problem. And so yeah, so I I can't say that it has consecutively run since 95, 96, but it's been around. Long, long enough that people know it, and long enough that the hook and ladder number eight that wants to be Ghostbusters HQ is like Troy. We want that, and I was like, but if I had it now for, (laughs) I can't rebrand. I I don't know what to do. Okay,
0: I have to say this. When that happens, um, when you're. When I watched Hook and Letter 8 become official Ghostbusters HQ, and it was, like, right around the time that you were, like, going on hiatus, I was like, the man can't even stand up and defend himself. (laughs) Like, the Vultures (laughs) are just stepping in, and it made me feel, I was like, maybe I shouldn't be, like, am I I wrong? I'm having a podcast, like, but, I'm kidding, but, like, but realistically, I thought it was so weird that I was like, you've been Ghostbusters HQ for, like longer than anyone at the firehouse cared about it yeah and and, but it's fine like again
1: it's like i'm not i we're joking like i i don't have any like ill will towards the hook and ladder like the firefighters that are are good enough to have a social media person doing ghostbuster stuff now like that's awesome
0: um yeah no official officials ghostbusters hq everybody like don't go like sending the hate screeds now, no. like give them money instead for a uh, family transit <laughs> van. Uh, Cause that's what they really need. And we have been trying to get and that yeah. for a while on helping out the Buffalo ghostbusters. And so hilariously.
1: Like uh, if you listen to our pot, if you listen to the interdimensional cross podcast from the very beginning, there was a while where I couldn't get ghostbusters HQ on social media because somebody had it. So I was, I was ghostbuster HQ or so. Cause I couldn't, I, I, <laughs> And then somebody finally was like, oh, that's mine. You can have it here. That's fine. So um, at, a, at a certain point, look, hook and ladder number eight, it's yours. I just want one of those T-shirts from Ghostbusters Day. That's and make it happen. And maybe we'll, and we'll the challenge
0: coin. Yeah. And a, and a challenge, challenge coin. coin. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't leave I that. I also
1: out. would like to ride on the ladder out of the bay doors. <laughs> I don't know.
0: I, I don't think that's OSHA approved, but I would like to do that. Do you know enough people in the industry, I'm sure, who can find you an effects harness? There's got to be somebody, you know, it'll be fine. <laughs> I was going <laughs> to say, yeah, I know some, enough people in the industry
1: to be like, that's a bad idea, dude. Don't do that. Like, <laughs> it's not worth it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The reason I ask this question is like, I think that a lot of people associate you with the cross rip, like as like that you're that guy from the cross rip. But I think a lot of other people know you as somebody who's like, you've been around the fandom for like almost at this point. Like as somebody who was like, hello, I am a public fan as opposed to just a person who like, I like Ghostbusters for like almost there are still years. people who
1: call me net solo, which is the weirdest thing. But that was my AOL screen name. And that's that's where the website started. <laughs> it was like it was a an AOL, you know, they gave you your whatever. It was like five megabytes for free when you signed up for AOL web space and hardly anybody used it. But I I looked and I saw uh Bill's Ghostbusters homepage which was awesome because it had the the message board threads um, and it had norms, proton pack uh, uh, plans. And it had like, it had ghostbusters three news and I was like, ghostbusters three, what?
0: No. <laughs>
1: um, and, but the one thing it didn't have was it didn't have that like sense of levity that ghostbusters had. And I mean, again, like it's so easy to be cynical and, and quote unquote funny uh, in this yeah. day and age, but like it, there wasn't that like Bill's Bill's site was very cut and dry. And then there was like Mr. Stay puffs world of sounds, which had like a soundboard of all the different things, but there wasn't somebody who was doing news, but also like putting a little, a little fun on it, a little, uh, give it a little schmutz. Uh, so, um, that's where I I started doing ghostbusters HQ. And then, uh, the, the universal, um, the, the ghostbusters, uh, spooktacular was closing and this was like pre ghostbusters wiki. This was, I, th- I yeah, think yeah. spook central had just started. I think Paul Rudolph had like just started his website, but that whole like, Oh, things are going away. We should like archive that cause people are going to want to see things. So I downloaded the entire website from universal studios, Florida, and put it up on, <laughs> on my site. And, um, which then began a long fascination with the spooktacular attraction and stuff like that. So I, it, it was like, I was in high school. I think I actually, maybe I actually started in my eighth grade middle school. Like I was, I was a kid. I was, I had, I had no business being on the internet, let alone starting my own <laughs> ghostbusters thing. Um, and, and it just, it ran through high school. And when I got into college, it kept going. And, um, and, uh, yeah, the rest, the rest is history and I'm still doing, I, I am
0: 41
1: years old and I'm still doing this.
0: <laughs> hey, I'm older than you and I have only started doing this. So you what can is have it. Like, here you go, Jim. Actually, this is, know. this is
1: the time I'm just going to hand you the mantle.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm, I refuse. I take <laughs> I do not want the Please keys to take your it. firehouse. Take it. No. No. I don't I don't know what's inside here. It's weird. There might be some strange things located in the back that nobody knows uh, yeah, about. Yeah, don't worry about uh, no. those.
1: <laughs> there's some stuff um, in there, don't worry about that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> there's an old sign. It's got like a big two on it, but it's broken. I don't know. It'd be weird if somebody was actually selling like the New York firehouse. Oh my and god. any of the things that were going on like we're in the movies it's always or in the video game it's like they just never get rid of anything like there's just in the back of the fire even like we we're talking about this with with Jason from uh Ghostbusters news in the previous episode like that like they they showed us all this great stuff in Ghostbusters day like of the things like they're inside the firehouse and the video games are still there like where were they like did somebody have them in storage like did they did raise a cult just get like packed to the hilt with all the old stuff like who knows who so, knows
1: yeah and and yeah. it looks like stuff may have moved too there's there's a little bit of like where'd the pinball machine go maybe the pinball yeah. machine broke down like the maintenance on it was they just it's hard sold to on eBay. yeah
0: it's hard it's like i to be fair i have a digital pinball machine and i i appreciate real pinball but it it, it never has switches that go bad or <laughs> springs that need to be realigned Things break and need oil just, and yeah yeah no it doesn't do that instead it is a hard drive <laughs> failure and then you go "Well, we can rebuild that it's fine we just push a button and restore it everything's okay um, anyway, side attra- I don't know how we sidetracked into pinball table, but I. It's been I on will my brain, always sorry. talk
1: arcades and pinball, and and if if indeed the firehouse became a Starbucks, I wonder if the Starbucks employees have some high scores on there that like have <laughs> challenged our heroes uh, to this day. Yeah. But-
0: have you heard my theory about what caused the containment unit to like? start blinking at the end of afterlife. Oh, like the, no. the, In the after credit. The, was
1: it, was it a power surge? Cause somebody didn't want the power to go out for their high score or something? No,
0: no. It's that like the Starbucks employees like, who were lazy. They didn't want to go take stuff outside. Like they get like at the end of have all these coffee grinds, they have to take out and throw <laughs> out in the dumpster. So they're like, I oh, don't fuck this. And so like, there's some lazy stoner who worked as a barista who just go downstairs and just open that weird thing in the wall and just pour it in there. There's this and thing so that
1: sucks up the grounds. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Like it, they thought it was a trash disposal. So and then the entire time Slimer has been like living in the firehouse, but he's all cracked down on coffee beans and like the leftovers yeah. of weird um, sous vide egg sandwiches. So. Sam, Sam
1: Hand is sitting on his floating rock there and just keeps getting hit by like wet grounds and the pumpkin head all the time. And yeah, yeah. Uh, like it's all just floating around that's in the cartoon
0: funny. version of the containment unit. The, the blinking and
1: was like the coffee ground <laughs> filter is full. You need to clean it. Yeah, crazy Starbucks people.
0: The laser containment grid has a lot of particles <laughs> disrupting the laser containing because of all the coffee grounds and you know bits of old cups and straws. Especially now oh, they need the biodegradable yeah. straws that just start to fall apart inside of that universe. And see, look, we were supposed to be talking about something else. This is what happens when I get off on a tangent. This is I'm what sorry. This
1: is podcasting. Now this also is podcasting. also like.
0: This is now like also not your next um, project. So I don't think that you thought it was. But if <laughs> anybody was like, is this your pitch Detroit? No, it's not. Um, it's um, not. Let's make a let's make an amazing short about the containment. The history of the Starbucks trash that was once located in the fire. And, and that's the
1: funny thing yeah. about that is like we, we joke about that, but we don't know that there actually was a Starbucks. That could have just been no. like a funny gag like. You know, we talk about that like rocket scientists have bought up my entire neighborhood around uh, where I live. And it's that's not true. They're not all rocket scientists. Most Look, the of them are of rocket things, scientists. But yeah,
0: the number of things that Ray Aykroyd has said over the years um that Ray do Aykroyd. or don't come true about Ghostbusters yeah. is debatable. Nah, so we're yes, going well, into I've,
1: production in the spring. This is 1998.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes. So Ray Aykroyd. Dan stance sometimes, you know, and of course, uncle Dan, but I is one, one of the greatest
1: cheerleaders and you gotta, you gotta love the yes. guy. Now he is living in this. This is what he has been like cheerleading and wanting now for, for decades, honestly. And he's, he's living in that moment. And then he goes on, saturday morning uh shows in in london and, and and just wants to do his cheerleading and everything
0: and there's like dan hold on we're not <laughs> right um yeah uh
1: it's I'd, i
0: you have to love him yeah That's, none of that is said like with judgment it's all like with love because the dude like basically makes everything yeah we, we, we wouldn't have this if it wasn't for him you know so um i have a question for you about things that uh, to kind of, I want to talk about old history things for a minute. Sure. Yeah. You are one of the people who's been inside of the hallowed halls of engine 23. <laughs> I have. Um,
1: yes. It's been a while, but I have, I, yeah.
0: I drove down there the other day, the day before Ghostbusters day. I was like, it'd be kind of funny if I would drove down there and I took a photo of myself and I was like, I'm down here at the firehouse waiting for everybody. <laughs> and then I got, I came down the street <laughs> and I, when I hit the, there's a, a right or a left turn that you will have to make is yeah. a left. Cause it's a one way street. Yeah. And unless you're so disoriented by being down in Skid Row and staring at the firehouse that you just make a right, which I did. Um, I made a turn in the wrong direction oh. at which point the entire neighborhood yelled out wrong Runway! way. Yeah. <laughs> God, and I, I turned mean, around and joked. That's like everybody talking like now.
1: <laughs> skid Skid Row. Everybody, there's like the stigma on Skid Row. And honestly, like when I first went down there, it was like 2001, 2002, somewhere around there. Like, and everyone's like, "Oh, it's Skid Row. Like, you got to be careful down there. Like, no valuables. Uh, make sure you walk. Blah blah, blah like. Everybody down there is is wonderful. They're all in. They've all fell upon hard times. They're all just trying to make ends meet. And I was standing waiting to get into engine 23. And there was a dude who was sitting on the curb and was just striking up a conversation while I was waiting for for the caretaker to come and open the door. And. He like reached into his pocket and was like, hey, man, you want uh, you want one of these peanut butter cracker sandwiches? And he had like one of those six packs of like the Ritz peanut butter uh, sandwich <laughs> cracker things. And I was like, oh, oh, thank you, dude. Oh, no, that's that's all you. But the fact that here's this guy who I, I am pretty sure lived on that sidewalk was like <laughs> right. offering me a, a a peanut butter cracker sandwich. Um yeah, they're all they're it's, they're all super nice people. And so for the longest time, they were going to turn Firehouse 23 uh, Engine 23 into like a community center for the people that were in Skid Row. Like it was going to be an art installation that they could come in and display their art or work on their art and put things up and just to kind of give them something to do, you know, some some sort of output for all at of least their.
0: That's what that's what the community wanted to do with it. That's, that's like
1: that's what the community wanted to do with it. That is right. very true. The second and the third <laughs> floors were being converted into recording studios for some odd reason. Um, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, and, and that was kind of like when I, when I had first gone into the building, which was like right when I moved out to LA, um, was we were we were going to do a, a fundraiser to it needed a new roof. They had to put a new roof because it was leaking. Um We were going to raise some money for the roof and we we're going to raise some money to like start to give them the resources in the lobby to turn it into this this art center. And that that quickly went awry. But that was that was many years. ago that was 20 plus yeah. years ago.
0: Well, this is like if you people go back and listen to the episode of Extra Plasm, which I'm not 100 percent sure is extra, extra Plasm episode 10, but might be. Um, I don't know, you can find it, but it's the one about the firehouse. And what I turned up episode. in that was that, that. was a really good episode. Thank you. Thank you. What I figured out, I, I am proud of that episode, although it is one of the ones that had no guests and is like, just, hey, let's just do a deep dive that happened early in the, yeah. in the podcast. But um, but what's, what's weird about that whole situation was that the community, like down there, wanted to develop that art center for them, but the city, has always earmarked that as like a youth arts center. And that is like what continues to be the challenge they have is that the voters designated that in a proposition in 1996 as part of a youth facility for youth stuff. And it's a a historical
1: landmark, which adds another (laughs) little caveat on there, Mm -hmm. too, where you can't do certain things. You can't you can't push the building into certain because at one point they were going to level it and put an apartment complex on top of it, which like luckily that quickly got the kibosh because that was like not, not going into the whole gentrification conversation, but like that was not what Skid Row needed at that time was like luxury apartments. Like that didn't make any sense. Um, so luckily it got his historical. it got the historical landmark designation, which then meant that it had to retain its structure and its facade and all of that stuff. But, uh, yeah. I mean that, that, that right there, I, I mean, uh, you're not supposed to talk about projects that you want to work on, but like there is a documentary there on engine 23 just, oh, yeah. just in from like 1979 <laughs> to today. Yep. Like I don't care about, Oh, Oh, it was a working engine company that had the the chief's quarters. And that's where the chief of the Los Angeles yep. fire department worked out. of. Who cares? I wanted all of this crazy stuff that happened around this ridiculous yep. building. Uh, that's been in your I've favorite it's, movies. It's so
0: funny. It's so funny. You said there's a documentary because I've been saying like when I made the podcast episode, I was like, I feel like I'm taking my nascent idea for a book and spilling <laughs> it out on the floor. Now, and people may poke through it and go, there's a story You're here to be told about this
1: sales, Jim. What yeah, are you doing? So.
0: You know, um, I, I don't know how to make films. I also don't know how to make books. So that's why I made a well, podcast episode.
1: <laughs> uh, the crazy thing about engine 20, it is, it is a beautiful building. And obviously, I mean, it has been in all of those like Ghostbusters, Big Trouble in Little China, The Mask, like uh, countless films and TV. Um, so it it looked, it has, it has a very unique aesthetic. Um it just happens to be in Skid Row, which gives it difficulties because it's tough to to put up the infrastructure yeah. for a film shoot. Um, it's also the building itself because it was in such neglect for so many years. It was not safe. Like at one point, uh, the, right. the cleaning up the town folks, uh, Anthony and Claire, wanted to shoot. Uh, interviews in, in the Bay of, of, uh, engine 23, which seems harmless enough, but I went to film LA and I said, we just want to do interviews on the ground floor. We don't want to go upstairs. Uh, We won't, we won't disturb any of the stuff that we know is, is structurally not sound. And they said, no, it's, it's a liability. We will not allow film permits in that building until there is retrofitting done because, we can't guarantee you'll be in that, that garage bay and the second floor doesn't fall on you. Um, right. so it, it, it got pretty bad. And luckily they are as of, I think about two years ago, uh, a company has been in there, uh, gutting it and, and working on it. And, uh, the, 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 the condition you see it in Ghostbusters afterlife, when, you know, the Ecto pulls into the bay and Winston mm-hmm. puts his hand on the hood of the car, that is what it looked like. Two years ago, like that, I think production design came in and was like, oh, we're ready.
0: PD's ready. Yeah, they basically (laughs) they basically got in there before um, the that before they came in and really tore out a lot of the tiles and stuff, you know, and so like that's I think that my understanding of what I know about this from what I was able to dig up over the, you know, writing the writing the stuff for that podcast is that um, they did a lot of seismic stabilizing over that period of time um there's photos that were posted by some folks from LA ghostbusters who were able to get inside the firehouse back in the construction November. people let them
1: in and kind of walk around and they did like a video to it was really it was cool security. to see what it looked like it was it, yeah. was
0: it was actually like from what i understand it was like work in the building at that point had stopped because of budgetary concerns mm. over uh, how they were going to fund the rest of this, given that they're supposed to pay for a youth That's art Act center, but now there's of the no documentary, by the way. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. it totally is. Act three is how they're going <laughs> to how they're going to get to the end of the 30 years of the bond and get to 2026 and decide that they're going to auction it off. And when they do a bunch of people from GBFans.com we're going to come together <laughs> to buy the firehouse. They're going to um, put together then, a
1: Ghostbusters <laughs> museum in the middle of Los Angeles Toy District Skid Row.
0: That's right, and wonder it's why right. it's
1: not a viable business model. But
0: yeah, <laughs> it, it, but that sounds like <laughs> Ghostbusters to me. it, so, it sounds exactly like yeah. Ghostbusters to me. Like, oh um, man, yeah. Well, I have to ask you this: Do you know anything about a story about bullet holes in the basement door? This is the thing everyone who's ever told me about. Like, I've been to the firehouse. There's bullet holes in the basement door, and bullet I'm like, holes
1: in the basement what? door. No, so I. I got like one sort of like basement to roof tour at the very, very beginning when I, when I met the caretaker and he was a, a good enough dude who was like, Hey, check this out. I want to go show you all this stuff. Um, I don't remember bullet holes, but I, but, but in my defense, like the basement there, none of the lights were working. So I got down to the bottom of the stairs I kind of like swung around and took a picture so that I could get that sort of like um, the the reference of, you know, like where here's where the containment unit was. Here's where right. the shelf was that had the the traps and all of the stuff on it. Here's where the power uh, switch was that the the Con Ed guy comes in and turns off. And and all of that is like the, the basement down there is not what it looks like in the film. It's like just a, a wider space that they put a, a, a couple of flats up in. Um, I got to the bottom. And it was number one, it was dark down there with no lights. Number two, the caretaker was a nice enough guy, but I didn't know him. So I wasn't, I I am, I was a wet behind the ears college, uh, uh, whatever, sophomore freshman at that time. Um, so I was kind of stupid, but at the same time, like, I don't want to stay in this basement any longer. than I have to, I don't remember. I don't remember bullet holes, but I mean, it makes sense that maybe somebody went down there and vented some frustration or was doing some target <laughs> practice or something
0: ridiculous. Yeah. I don't know. I, this is, I was like, I had to ask you about it because it was like one of these random things that every time of anyone, anybody's anybody told me they've gone, they're like, there's the Jira, of the bullet holes. And I'm like, well,
1: no. Well, and like, and what? part of the problem with the building too, was that it was not a secure building. So there would be squatters no. who would come in. Right. So it it is even quite possible that it wasn't wasn't the caretaker at the time who was doing that, or it wasn't somebody who was staying with the caretaker at the time. It could have just been somebody who came in and we didn't know. Um, right. But uh, but yeah, um, man, I, I, I you say that it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I'm sure there's I'm <laughs> sure there's bullet holes, and I'm sure. Was like,
0: it surreal to like stand in the space and just? I mean, like I will say this: the first time I stood inside the Biltmore. And I like looked up at the ceiling. Yeah. And I was like, I mean, it's it's a lobby now. There's people standing in it. There's desks. It's not like it's not a ballroom. Scaring but scaring the straights, Jim. Um <laughs> but I was standing there like looking at the ceiling, like, oh my God, I know where I am. This is so weird. You know, like it's it's cool. Like, I have I have a lot
1: of those in my lifetime where it's like, this is-I guess is you probably not, do. <laughs> this is not real. Like, this is not real life. Like, I um being inside the firehouse, like just standing in the garage bay, like with your feet on the cobblestone tiles, because that's the the one thing that a lot of people don't realize, you know, is that it's real yep. cobblestones. So you would yep. you would walk in there and and it it was. I mean the the bummer was that the building was when I went there was in the state that I think Joe Magic and his commentary on 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 the original Ghostbusters DVD says like. We went in there and all we had to do were add a couple of cobwebs in the corner and it was ready to go. When we said that, <laughs> that, that when that building should be condemned, it looked right. like it should be condemned. And then our production design team came in and cleaned up the building and made it look uh, respectable. And that's kind of how it looked when when I went there. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's like, there's the stairs I need to, can I walk up the stairs? You, the poles, they, the poles were long removed, you know, yeah, that they're was, gone. yeah, that's part of the story. I think that was actually in your, your podcast was that the pulse the yeah. became funding for a certain somebody. Um, <laughs> those things are expensive. Uh, yeah. but, uh, yeah, it, it was, it was surreal and same thing like going to the Biltmore, um, and, you walk into that lobby which which is now like the 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 ballroom that was in ghostbusters is now the main lobby and and that that building's been reconfigured like 5000 times like the main entrance used to be where you see the ghostbusters come in and the lobby yep. uh used to be where uh, Axel Foley checks in in Beverly Hills cop which is now a restaurant <laughs> it's kind of funny yes yeah yeah um <laughs> it, it's it's that that building is so much fun and is an Ivan Reitman favorite like uh ghostbusters Kindergarten cop Dave Ghostbusters yeah. 2 filmed outside yep. of the Biltmore. Um, it's just, it's a good location. It's, it's downtown. It can be New York. It can be Los Angeles. It can be wherever you want it to be. Um, a, a very, it's in like five Colombo episodes for those of you that are <laughs> fans. Um, yeah, th- that's, that's the surreal one. Um, I, I I am I am very, very, very lucky um, that uh, a long time ago in a in a storage warehouse far, far away, we were trying to restore the Ecto-1A uh, before it became the Ectomobile for Ghostbusters Afterlife. And uh, I my, myself and Sean Bishop and, and a couple other people were tasked with going in and just inventorying what was still there, like because the car had right. been wrecked from years of being in the universal studios florida sun and and other certain things had happened to it that they were just going to send it to the crusher and and then somebody rightfully spoke up and was like no no you can't do that there were only a uh, 100 of those 59 cadillacs made yeah. um but uh so we we there was a certain point where i was like in the back of the ecto 1a with my work gloves on and like pulling out like GAC and, and we had to lift out the, that rear step um, because the bumper was like inside the car. Um, And, (laughs) and I turned to Sean and I was like, what, what world are we in right now? Like I am in literally the guts of this car that I (laughs) worshiped as a kid in 1989. Um, So yeah, there's, there's a lot of those. Like I, everybody I'm sure when we talked to introduction wise, we're like, Oh, this Troy guy, everybody's sick of him. Like I get it. Like I am sick of me too, because all <laughs> of the cool shit that I've been able to do, I, I I'm, I'm, I'm such a I mean, lucky bastard. Look, I don't know.
0: I'm sitting here and all of you, it's, it's literally like, you know, the evening of the anniversary of ghostbusters two, And you're telling the story of like essentially, you know, figuring out how one could potentially one day, do a heart transplant, um, you know, like you're on your hero car, like it's not you, you know, you're you didn't do that directly. You're not like the guy no. who was like, Hey, let's see if we can give it to some company and ls swap it and <laughs> cut it up and do things with it and turn it into a next gen car. But like, it's it's that stuff, like, and this kind of gets me into a question I want to ask you, which is like. How did this happen, though? Like, how did you transition from and this is not because I'm like, I'm writing this down for later because I'm going to totally rip off your life and do it myself. But like, how did you move from being like, I'm a fan who is willing to go do things like get together other fans and go down to a firehouse and see if I can contribute and save it or go and figure out with other fans if we can get our hands on this car and save it. (laughs) Like, how did you get from there to Oh, you know what? I'm going to work on writing the book about this car that is like, you know, like or doing any of the things you've done, like a DVD commentary. You've been like a person who's done hosting like for you. You revealed like the soundtrack stings of afterlife (laughs) to a series of dancing (laughs) mini puffs like that were being like, I mean, that were like, hey, here's our first reveal. The mini puff music to a recipe video. And it's just like
1: Jen. Oh, man. Jen's. Yeah, it's so good.
0: I'm sorry. I'm gushing because no. I'm like, I appreciate you so much. And well, I don't mean to be like, you, I, don't I appreciate everything you do want to crush your hopes and like, dreams you know. here.
1: Cause like the answer that I have for you, Jim is like, it's just dumb, stupid luck. Like it's, it's, <laughs> there's no, I, I cannot give you like some sort of recipe to be like, well, if you want to be a professional fan, you need to do this and this and this and this. <laughs> it, it just, it just so happens that. Um, I, I had entered an industry where, you know, I was, I was working behind the scenes doing DVD, um, special features and, and had kind of grown a reputation for being the person who did genre stuff because yeah. there was, there was a time where like being a nerd was not cool. I hate to break it to everybody, but like <laughs> being a nerd was not cool. And so I would go, I, the I worked at this company that you know they would have amazing films come through they had like Little Miss Sunshine and Juno and and award-winning amazing films that we were working on um and then they'd be like what the hell is Silverhawks Silverhawks anybody Silver oh Troy I bet you I bet you Troy knows what Silverhawks is and and I'd be standing in the back of the room like yeah I know Silverhawks obviously I know Silverhawks um and, and so I, again, it was just like dumb, stupid luck of being in the right place at the right time of doing that kind of stuff um, <laughs> where where you just start to get to know people like I worked on on Alien versus Predator and x file, like X-Files. It was the same thing. Does anybody here in the room know X-Files? I know X-Files. And, and suddenly <laughs> I'm writing an episode guide and working with with uh, it's crazy. Like Chris and Frank on the official timeline of the X-Files. Like it was just this weird um, time in the, the early two thousands where it was bef- like pre social media and pre like comic con being what it was now. And, um, and, and now, That's so now I, I guarantee you if somebody was like who, who in here likes and knows X files, like every hand in the room, would be like, I know. <laughs>
0: um,
1: but, um, so yeah, so but that, it's, no,
0: it's like, it's like, um, like as an analogy, I think it's one that you may appreciate. Um, I am a person who read memory alpha. Like the Star Trek wiki. I would sit yes. and watch Star Trek episodes like one of the first fan wikis alpha, that I recall. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, oh, what's a Heisenberg compensator? <laughs> right. And it's like, <laughs> I gotta know. Right. And it's like, I felt like there's a group of people who now, those are the people who are working on Picard, who can like go and be like, Yeah, how do we take this narrative universe and like stitch this together? And they're sort of like the folks who know the continuity of the universe. And that's why I said it's kind of like you're I think of you as like a lore wielder in some way because You get into all of these narrative universes like you know about a lot of them and somehow you end up working like in the back text of them. You know, it's like
1: again, it's stupid luck, but but that's and point in case why if you watch Ghostbusters Afterlife, you know that it was made with such love and such reverence for the original film, because when I started working on that, I was in a room and Jason Reitman sat me down on a couch and was like, we're only letting fans of ghostbusters work on this. So tell me how are you a fa- like there was you had to prove yourself. You had to like <laughs> tell him how you were a fan of the film and and what it meant to you and and um and I think that on in, in like because there's like this whole argument of like well it's too much fan service. Like again, you brought up Picard. Picard season 3 was wonderful, but all I hear is like, yeah. oh, it was too much fan service. But the, the, the <laughs> fan service is just like the the salt and pepper on top of what is actually already a very delicious dish. You just need to right. kind of get past that right? Uh, to, to see what has been created for you.
0: Um, it's like my mom watching Afterlife and going, hey, that was actually a pretty good movie. Yeah. Like she has no investment in Ghostbusters at all. Uh, and, and here's me talking about it all the time. But for her, it was like, oh, it was a really good movie. She liked the story. And all the fan service that happened on top of it is like seasoning for yeah. any of us who love the story. So, the, the, the yeah.
1: emotionality of, of the ending to people who don't, don't know and, and, and worship the feet of Harold Ramis, uh, knowing that what a, what a loss that was when he passed away, you still feel that, you know? Um, yeah. and so I, I think The good news is is when I first started doing stuff like in the early 2000s, like 20 some years ago, they were trying to like make properties for the bigger, broader audiences where it was like, okay, we're going to do a next files movie, but it's not for the fans. Like we're going to this is going to be something new, something nobody's ever seen before. Mm -hmm. And then they'd wonder why it failed, you know, or or again, going back to Alien versus Predator, which I worked on both the first one and Requiem. The first one was like uh, we know that there's all this lore about the xenomorphs and then the the predators but this is gonna be something different and then requiem which the strauss brothers came in and they were fans of aliens they were like we want to make a movie that was like aliens and it's gonna have that same feel and um and and that's a bad example because that movie ended up being very drastically different from from what the strauss brothers originally did but um it like we're, we're now in that moment where the fans of these properties that are beloved and we're nostalgic for are the people who are kind of controlling things. And yes, it seems like yeah. they're writing fan fiction. Yes. It seems like they're doing fan service, but at the same time, you're getting another Indiana Jones movie. You're getting Michael Keaton as Batman again for the first time <laughs> since <crazy>. 1992. Like- <laughs> um, we are getting a four, a fourth Ghostbusters movie now with Bill Murray playing, Peter Vankman and, and, and Dan Aykroyd playing Ray dance and Ernie Hudson playing Winston Zeddemore. Like yeah we're in this sort of like, you, you need to stop and realize the amazing eye of the storm that we are in right now, because it's yeah. going to go away very soon and it's going to be totally different in about 10 years. So, yeah, I don't know. Um,
0: well, that's when, that's when my when my pitch for the new Netflix reality series ghost heads, the series is going to be greenlit. That's when that's happened. Whatever and happened to Troy Benjamin, that
1: dumb, stupid luck guy. <laughs> <laughs> we joined Troy now playing shuffleboard at the retirement home in. no,
0: no, 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 no. You're going to be the host of ghost heads. The series that's because you have <laughs> I mean, such, you're, we're not going to have you at this shuffleboard. You're going to be like, hello. you know me from previous ghostbusters projects, such I'm as
1: Troy Benjamin. You might remember me from such ghostbusters projects as the interdimensional crossroad. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's going to so... be weird. It's like, uh, there are certain times where you're like, uh, like, can I be sixty years old and still doing this? Like, is that a weird thing? I don't know. I,
0: don't know. <laughs> I went to a Descendants yeah. show recently. Like, Descendants are my favorite band, and I went to a Descendants show, and I got to um for for what was it thirty dollars? I got to have a seat and an entree. At a descendant a show. Descendant was show. The, it was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> I was like, I'm so old. And they said, You can have that seat all night. That's yours now. Like, you have a table at this venue for thir- the low cost of $30. And it came with an impossible mm. burger. And I was like, That's amazing. And people showed up for pre-show with their kids in Descendants t-shirts. And I was like, ah, being old is the (laughs) shit. And then, like, there's a Descendants song. It's called When I Get Old, where Milo sings, like, what will I be like when I get old? And he blew out his voice. And he literally stood on stage going,
1: this will be what it's like when I get (laughs) old. I'll lose my voice in front of a bunch of people in this nice (laughs) venue.
0: Yeah, so don't worry, you know. I think if you're 60 and you're doing this, then... Like the only thing is, is do you still want to be, you know, like I think I, if you or, can still do be doing people, it, at 60 like, to yeah. do it.
1: Well, other people tolerate me doing that too. That's like,
0: I'm sure you'll I, be doing the convention know. circuit. Don't worry. That'll be you. Or you'll be signing autographs for the containment unit. That'll be like <laughs> Troy Benjamin cards. We're going to start producing those. I'm going to talk yeah. to Matt and Tom, have them message you.
1: In um, year 3000. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I hope that that's, I hope that that's appreciated. Like you should, that would be good. I would oh, buy your autograph.
1: I mean, yeah, I, it, that is still the weirdest thing to me to be completely and totally honest with you is like people who want me to autograph books and, and to sign stuff. It's like <laughs> me, like, yeah, that's going to ruin the value of this thing. It was, it was mint. And then I'm going to scribble in it and you're going <laughs> to, you're going to hate me for it. But
0: yeah. Um, I have to ask you, you've, done so much in terms of like your contributions to ghostbusters to other fan. what's the one thing you'd say like you did that you're most happy you did like that. You can, if, if it, one that you oh. can talk about it, because maybe something you're like, I, I did something that I'm never allowed to talk about. Wow. And you get lost. But like, what's the one thing you'd say made you the happiest from like your, if you, if you want to narrow it down to ghostbusters, you totally can.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think narrowing it down to ghostbusters, like, Oh my goodness. Um, you you mentioned that commentary. That commentary was was pretty huge. Um, so so for people who don't know, there was a, a an anniversary edition of of Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters Two that came out as a steel book, and I think it's now on the big box set that came out and was like a limited edition thing too. Um, yeah. But uh, because of the podcast, um, Sony uh, care of of Eric and Ghost Core and the wonderful people there reached out to us and said, we want to do a, a fan commentary, uh, on the film. Um, and we of course took it very seriously. We're like, well, we want got to talk about all these things and we want to point things out, but all, obviously the fans know this, so we don't want to be too cursory. We want to like, uh, make it accessible, but we also want to make it something interesting. And so that, that was a huge moment. Like Ivan Reitman, Sheldon Kahn, and Dan Aykroyd left the room and then we walked in to do our commentary. And It's like, <laughs> who the hell are these guys? Who gives a shit about the B team coming in here? Um, so, yeah, that that was pretty huge. Um, I, I think, I, I don't I don't know if I've ever talked about it. This may be an, an Extra plasma exclusive, Jim. Um, so, the day before FanFest, Um, actually, it was the day that everybody went to go to the screening, uh, down, downtown where they did the screening the night before. That day was one of the last walkthroughs for Ghostbusters Afterlife before they relocated everything to, uh, Calgary. They moved everything up to to Alberta. Um, and, and it was a very special walkthrough in the sense that it was, it was Ivan Reitman, Jason Reitman, um, uh, and, 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 you know, uh, Eric Stielberg and Jason Blumenfeld and, and several other people who, who were integral to the production. And they were going to check on the Ectomobile. They were going to check on the, the terror dog, uh, 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 puppet. Um, they were going to check on the props at ISS. Um, and it was sort of like their last looks before all of this stuff got crated up and sent to Calgary where it would then be kind of modified and, and gotten ready for, for filming. Um, and I again, dumb, stupid luck, Jim. I don't know. I can't tell you how or why, but <laughs> I was filming the pre-production behind-the-scenes stuff uh, for yeah. them, and I followed them that entire day. So I was with that whole crew as they moved from, uh, you know, the the uh, Arian uh, uh Ghost uh, Creature Creature Shop, I should call it, right. uh, to the ISS Props uh, Shop, to all of these places, and it was. It was so crazy surreal, number one, that all of these Ghostbusters fans were in the same city and had no idea that this thing was going on.
0: <laughs> right.
1: But the the morning started with <laughs> we went to ISS uh, hand props who they, they kind of did all of the base work on. The um, oh, no, I, I'm sorry. I take it back. It was the hand prop room. ISS in the hand prop room. Somebody out there is smacking my hand. I'm looking at you, Michael Tanaka. ISS and hand prop room are two different <laughs> things. We went to the hand prop room and they were the ones that were working on the, the packs uh, exclusively. And they had the Spengler pack, uh, one of the hero packs that had been at the, the Sony um, archives for the longest time. Um, and that's what they were using as their reference. And so I had been there a couple of times where Jason came in and was like, I want this, the switch under here that I think, you know, when they're in the elevator and, and Stan says, switch me on. And you kind of see the, the hand go like, where (laughs) was that switch? I want to know where that switch was. Um, so they figured that out. They did all of that work. Um, so the hand prop room was the first place that we went. And when I got there, it was myself and Violet Ramis, uh, Harold Ramis, daughter, yeah. Um, who I, I I know because um, various, again, dumb, stupid luck. I, I already know her uh, previously. So she and I were, were talking and, and shooting the shit. And, um, and then they walked us back, and I was filming as she walked back there, and they said, okay, here is the Spangler pack that we used as reference. And they pulled it out of the, the Pelican case that it was in, and they said, hey, hey, "Violet, do you want to put this on?" And so here is Violet Ramis Steele, uh yeah. who has been through so much her 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 whole life. Uh please read her book. It is it is amazing. But It's great. It's amazing. J- battling with the fact that my dad's a ghostbuster slash, you know, all of the things that happened in her her life with her and her dad. Right. And she puts this pack on and like, I'm getting all choked up talking about it right now. Like you could see her posture change. You could see like her attitude change. You could see her face just morph into like, this is like, it was a big moment for her. Um, and and so she, she put that pack on and, and all of us were like taking pictures, you know, like, finally kind of take her. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, but that was, that was super huge. And, uh, she was with us for the rest of that day. Um, and then I promise this story is going somewhere guys. It's a very long winded story. No, this is a great story. Uh, so Saturday was, was fan fest. So we all go to fan fest and we don't have to talk about that. We all know what happened at the ghostbusters fan fest and how we all got dehydrated. And some of us are still <laughs> trying to recuperate from it. Um,
0: I've said if there's ever another ghostbusters event ever of that magnitude, the one thing you will have a lot of hopefully water, is water,
1: water, <laughs> I will take multiple bottles of my own. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, so during that day when we were walking around, I, There were several times that I was just like I was next to Violet and I was filming Violet, like interacting with things like she saw some of the concept art that that Arian had done for uh, at that time. He was the dirt farmer uh, because we were very careful. We didn't want to reveal that Egon was in the movie. Spoiler. God, I hope you know that Egon's in the movie. You're listening to Extra Plasm. (laughs) Don't yell at Jim. Um,
0: I'm not offering spoilers of the movie. That's not out yet, but if you, <laughs> yes. but, but on the one that's out already, sorry, it's fair game. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, but so, but the whole time I was, I was very close to, to Violet the, and, and, and being a good documentarian, trying to be a fly on the wall, but then talking to her in between. And at one point I did say to her, you know, like Violet, it meant a lot to me that we did this book club for the, the cross rip and that you came on the show and, and yeah. you were very great about answering questions and stuff for us. And, and honestly like that that really meant a lot to me like it's a very rare occasion that a book club can then have the author come on and and, and talk <laughs> right? about stuff,
0: and talk about the sh- the book and,
1: yeah uh, and I was like I, I like I don't want to I don't want to be that person but I would love if you would sign my book and she was like bring it on Saturday I will sign your book so Saturday all the shit that goes down at FanFest we all know it well but I made it a point the very first thing I did in the morning was take my book to Violet and I was like <laughs> When you have a chance, don't worry about it. Uh, so she she took the book and I came back a little bit later and uh, she gave me the book, gave me a hug and I opened it up and the inscription said. Damn it, I'm not going to cry on your podcast. You're not Oprah, Jim. <laughs> it said uh, it said, Troy. Um, oh, God, I'm, I'm paraphrasing now. It said, like, uh, so glad that you are a part of the Ghostbusters family officially violet of steel. so steel some, something like that yeah and and that's when it hit man i'm like i'm too lucky i can't be doing this like i'm not i'm not officially part of the family i'm like i'm just i'm just a fan um so it like that that was like that right there was the epitome of like that's I can't, awesome i can't believe that this actually happened um yeah and, and, and it was like a little wink and a nod secret because nobody knew what we did the day before. And of course, like right. all the fans behind us are like, right. oh,
0: your I mean, like, as you're, as you're telling me this, like, I'm thinking about how we all, <laughs> we all are standing on the lawn hours later as they're like, we found this old footage. We had to go dig up <laughs> a lot of stuff to go. We went to archives in the middle of a mine in Kansas or yep. some whatever story it was of like where they found the stuff from whatever deep, cold storage it was in. And they were like, we found all this unused footage that we're now going to show you clips of from the last movie. Right. Yeah. And meanwhile, like you've <laughs> that's because they're pulling all this stuff so that you could go take pictures of uh, them pulling this stuff and looking yeah, we at had it been doing.
1: I mean, that was. I, th- I think f- like fans don't realize where there's that sort of like, well, where's that deleted scene? I, honestly, that's a question that a lot of people are probably asking who worked on the <laughs> movie. Like, I don't know where I put that. I don't thing. Know where like, that is. Yeah. You can ask Sheldon Kahn, like, where's that deleted scene? He'll be like, mm. the, uh, actually, I take that back. Sheldon Kahn is one of those people with a photographic memory. Well, he'll be like actually that scene uh, was deleted, but I used part of it for the montage. Uh, so I had to pull some of the head and use some of the tail there. And like he, he knows that backwards and forwards, but, um, but yeah, they, they pulled like for the Fort debt marrying scene that appeared on two releases ago. That -hmm. was just, again, it just happened to be that, uh, uh, all uh, right. We, they, I, I don't, I don't want to group myself into this, but like we were going through sure. a storage locker and we found a bunch of film cans and it just said Fort Depp Meering And we we're like, what? It was, it was underneath all of these, like the space jam McDonald's toys all these years and nobody <laughs> knew it. Um, and, and that's just how, how that came to pass. So, um, but yeah, all of the salt mine stuff that they pulled for afterlife, like that was, that was a lot more than just like coming in a storage locker and finding
0: the right. cans. Yeah. But I mean, that's, what's so funny to me is like that, that you all were out, you know, you're like, you're saying they were doing it. You're documenting it, right? Like you are not actively being like, Hey, this is what we're going to go open. They're like, you come, you come, you come shoot us and do this stuff. We make decisions, <laughs> put on these gloves. Right, but, Cause nobody's
1: been in here in like 35 years.
0: <laughs> like, <okay. laughs> Here's your hazmat suit. You're like wearing an actual, like your entire camera rig is in a proton pack. Oh, like man. it's, it'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think that's amazing. Like, I think that, um, you've had so many opportunities to do so many cool things. And like, I'm sure you have so many stories that you can't even tell about, you know, all the things that you can't actually ever tell people about. So I appreciate you sharing what you can in that. Cause it's a good story. Um, and I think yeah, that, you know, I, not to be like, I didn't mean to be like, Hey, how do we all do what we all want your life? Give it up. No, I mean, like,
1: <laughs> I feel bad for poor Eric at ghost Corps, Cause literally all of us are like, how do I get your job, dude?
0: I like your job. Can I have your job? I would be terrified <laughs> to have his job. I, I mean, genuinely he's via email. He's always been very nice and things, but I would, I don't know how, he maintains a level of cool and calmness knowing that like this much stuff rests on his shoulders on a, like, you know, on a regular basis. He is like,
1: I I mean, I don't, I don't think I'm revealing too much. Maybe this is, I'm sorry, Eric, if I'm revealing too much, but he's the dude who like doesn't drink coffee. Like I, I, I I met him like super early in the morning, one morning and I'm like, I'll bring you coffee. He's like, I don't drink coffee. And I was like, what, how, the amount of stuff that you do, you don't caffeinate? Who are you? I'm I'm very concerned. Um, but yeah, he's just such a graceful dude and is so nice and so accessible. Like, I I I, I hope that I hope that Ghostbusters fans appreciate the level of connection that they have with this property, that you have yeah. Ghost Core and you have a person like Eric and you have like there, there are literally like, if you go on GB fans, there are threads where it's like, blah, blah, blah. No, that's not right. Blah, blah, blah. No, no, that's not right. <laughs> I'm going to ask Eric. <laughs> The fact that that exists in life (laughs) that you can be like, I'm going to ask the official source. There is like
0: no other fandom where people can repeatedly refer. Like I was thinking of the other day. I don't listen to any other podcasts. I'm like, I'm not trying to be like talk on my own show or yours or anybody else's. Be Like, look what we do. But like I listen to a Star Trek podcast, right? At no point would they be like. Oh, well, you just ask Mark, right? <laughs> and be like Mark, who like Mark Berman? Like what? Like yeah, or yeah. his name Rick, is? Like, Rick Berman
1: is on my Rick speed. Burman, sorry. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, like you uh, could
0: I mean, just ask Rick. Like I me just
1: talk to Alec Kurtzman and you know, yeah. Kurtzman's going to tell me everything. Yeah. It, that, that doesn't exist. I mean, and, and Star Wars, you have like your Pablo Hidalgo's and, and, and people like that who are somewhat accessible, but like there, sure. there, there is. And I think, I think that is a wonderful thing about Ghostbusters because everybody's like, you know, we're, we're like Star Wars. We're like a big fandom. And it's like, no, we're very small and we're very niche. And we have that access to the people that are making the thing that we love. And, yeah um, and I think that's what, you know, like, fan fest like I, I i was very careful to uh, like when i'm talking about like fan fest what a shit show fan fest was but there were good <laughs> intentions there yes of course they, they wanted to bring fans into the willy wonka chocolate factory and they wanted I to have always
0: said that as much as people complain about things that went wrong on that day almost every single one of us who has ever complained about what went wrong on that day also is like if they were given the opportunity to go back they'd be like yes i'd do it right. again like yeah of course i'd do it again yeah. like I've, i survived it it was a great day like and I had a great day. I, I had a very unique experience. And it was a great day. So, well, and, you know, and, like that's-
1: and if we want to compare ourselves to Star Wars fans, like I will always make the correlation. I was there at the very first Star Wars celebration in Denver, Colorado, because I was a Colorado kid born, born and raised. And the very first Star Wars celebration in 1999, because episode one came out in that year, it was A disaster. Like they held it at an air and space museum. They held it in the parking lot, but the parking lot wasn't paved. It was all dirt and it poured rain for three days. So it was just mud and disgusting. And it was, it was a mess. And, and the lines were atrocious. People couldn't get into anything. Um, but that's look at what Star Wars celebration is now. You know, if FanFest were a like annual thing, they take the first thing they learn from it. They grow. They learn. They grow. They learn. They grow. And um, we're still in that sort of infant stages of of fandom. Like we even though Ghostbusters has been around almost 40 years now, which is crazy to say, yeah, yeah. Um, It it is, it is still a very sort of fledgling fandom because of that long dormant period in between like 1990, I guess you could say like 1991, 1992 when real Ghostbusters Mm -hmm. uh, fizzled. And then there was, there was a long period of time except for extreme Ghostbusters. Okay. So there was a long period of time and then extreme Ghostbusters and then another long period of time. Right. Um, but but it wasn't there weren't 10 pole movies there weren't books there weren't toys there weren't like it was this this no. thing that we all kind of clung on to and uh now it has become a a, a thing it has become a, a viable uh, ip for sony it has become something that they want to tell more stories within and uh that that we should not take for granted and and no. we should also keep in mind this is like our first year or two, like afterlife came out two years ago. This isn't like the first couple steps here before something bigger happens. So
0: I said, I said this recently that I feel so lucky that I get to still be involved in what not in the sense that like I'm making this. I don't mean like like I don't mean like I'm involved. I'm involved. I make a podcast and now I'm involved and everything that goes but on. You are. I'm not, you, I'm you not are. sure if you know, but I mean this in a different sense. I don't mean to-cause I don't mean to be like, I I'm involved now. I mean this in the sense that I get to be involved as a fan because there are so many things like you were talking about, and I said this recently, like my connection with Star Trek is that like for years. I didn't think it particularly cared about me. Like it was when it went to JJ Trek land, I went, uh, and uh, this isn't really for this me. Is not
1: for me. Yeah.
0: And it ran around yelling at me about how it wasn't my dad's thing. And I was like, but I like watch like as much as like, it's not your father's Star Trek. I'm like, yeah, but I grew up watching Star Trek with my dad. I appreciated that experience It's one of the things that bonds and like brings us together. And like a reason why we both like the show is that we could, talk yeah. about like we completely disagree on politics we could talk about this episode of stupid next generation or whatever <laughs> and so like that to me is like to still be so invested and still have that connection as fans to a narrative universe that continues to expand and develop and grow that we don't we don't have to be like oh we're not part of this like no we yeah. are it's just it's still you know well, we, and, it's and like family it's lineage
1: so many franchises have made that I don't want to call it a mistake, but it's, it's a learning experience that has to happen where it's like this, this ain't your grandfather's Star Trek, get ready. (laughs) And then you realize, well, but the whole appeal to Star Trek was the way that it was when my grandfather watched it, you know? And, and so, uh, and for, for all of the licks that poor answer the call takes, like answer the call had to happen. Yeah, because it was the this ain't your father's Ghostbusters. You know, it was it was it was Paul Feig and Katie Dippold and everybody like putting out there like we're going to try to reinvent this and turn it into something new. Right. Um, And and and, and like you said, J.J. Abrams Star Trek like admittedly I have a soft spot for the, for the Kelvin verse, but that's a different podcast. Oh, we I can go on there. And let's
0: be fair. That's like, it's, it doesn't mean that either that that is bad, right? It just means that like, I didn't feel like for a while that like it resonated with me. And that's it's the, totally you know, different. I think you get that. I think yeah. You get it's that. totally.
1: Yeah. And, 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 and discovery is totally different than that. And yeah. deep space nine was totally different than next Like yeah. it's, that's kind of how, like things have to evolve Deep Space Nine is
0: amazing though, but. <laughs> but
1: and there, there was, there was a wonderful line. Welcome to the star Trek podcast with Jim and Troy. There was a wonderful line in Picard season three as they're, they're showing all of the ships from all of the various eras of star Trek. Yeah. And they're talking about how legacy is not something that you are, are metamorphosing. You're not reinventing it. You are, adding upon it and building upon it. And I'm paraphrasing terribly. It was a wonderfully, beautifully written line of dialogue that I just totally botched. (laughs) But, but that also is, it applies to, to Ghostbusters because when you watch afterlife, like afterlife is not trying to say, I'm going to take that, 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 and that. Okay, great. That's what I'm running with. No, it's, it's taking what existed before and, and Mm -hmm. being an additive thing on top of it. Yep, and there there's familiar things. There are things that are are unfamiliar. I think in the next film there will probably be more things that are unfamiliar to us, but there sure. will also still be those like those through threads that we all um, appreciate and know and love. Um, but that's that's how things that's how things grow. That's how things continue to to live. Yeah. Um. It's it's evolution. You know, every 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 little <laughs> iterative uh uh being has to have. Some genetics from the previous, uh, carnation yeah. and uh, the new incarnation has, has, uh, the improvements. So, um, yeah, I don't like, I don't know. I, I, I feel like we're in a good spot. I think as Ghostbusters fans, like, I think we're in a great spot. Like there's yeah, I, so I, much I to look forward
0: to. I think, I think, the, I think so too. Um, I think that, I think we have more in development now than we did in 1989, which is like the way to think about it is it's like, we are sitting here talking about this on the sort of anniversary of Ghostbusters two. Mm-hmm. And at that point, that was probably the most Ghostbusters stuff in development. It was like Ghostbusters two coming. There's there's a video game coming out. There's toys coming out. There's all those things happening. And I feel like we're kind of in that moment again. Like there was a reason why I've been joking to that. They put that Ghostbusters two mug in the shot with Dan Aykroyd. They
1: yeah. Were
0: telling us they were like, it's like Ghostbusters two. It's <laughs> afterlife two. It's the same kind of thing. There's more stuff in development. It's, it's all the floodgates are open. So
1: yeah, all, it's not, all the things that were roadblocks before, maybe those roadblocks have been lifted. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it only took us 30 years to get there. Um, and there's
0: secret codes in the cups left on screen. And uh, yeah, I'm just, <laughs>
1: whatever. look, look for the toaster. Look to the toaster.
0: <laughs> so given everything that's coming. I mean, obviously you have to be excited about the new movie coming out because how you how could you not be like, no, I'm not. I just I'm really sticking around for just (laughs) just print now. But um, um, you've dabbled in print, right? You've written books about lore and you've like made video content and you've created behind the scenes content and you've managed production work. Like what for you is the most exciting about what's coming in the new Ghostbusters outside of the fact that there's a new movie. Cause like, I don't, you know, I don't want to be like, tell me about what you think about the new movie, but you know, oh,
1: yeah. I mean, I, uh, uh, the fact that there is a new movie, like that's, that's, that's number one on the list. Like how long were we talking about Ghostbusters three? Oh, there's Ghostbusters three guys. Is it ever going to happen? <laughs> um, and now we are five movies in, you know, including answer the call, obviously, Five five movies in and this will be the fourth one that that kind of continues that that through line that started in 1984. Like the just the just the sheer fact that the movie is going to exist, honestly, yeah, is huge. Like that's the uh, it's it's I mean, if I could hop in my DeLorean and go back to 1996, Troy, who's like, oh, I'm going to report on this Dan Aykroyd thing that he said because it's going to happen. Just be like, keep the faith, man. It's it's gonna happen. You're <laughs> could you gonna imagine be if married you did, with you kids when it does?
0: To, like, listen, it's gonna be a long road. There's gonna be different <laughs> points and challenges where you're gonna decide that maybe you're not gonna do this. Then at some point, you're gonna do a podcast where, like, every week, you're gonna be talking to some guy in Canada. Like, it's gonna be like you're gonna talk Canada. to lots of people in Canada. In fact, you're gonna meet a lot of people from Canada for some reason because, as I've been talking about in this podcast over the last several weeks. There's a Canadian connection. So it's like I've I know more Canadian people. in My life now as a person who talks about Ghostbusters crap yeah. than I probably ever have in my life. But like yeah, and UK, yeah.
1: how many UK Ghostbusters podcasts <laughs> are there now? Like there's so many. But yeah, it's it, yeah, that that like that time traveler, Troy, would have been met with like blank stares. Like, dude, what are you talking? Canada? <laughs> You're going to talk to somebody in Canada? That's far away. We live, we live in rural Colorado, sir. I don't know where you're from, (laughs) Mr. Time traveling, man. Um, But yeah, I I think it's like, again, to not take things for granted and to, to look at, at what we're being given as gifts, like the fact that we have afterlife. And if afterlife was not completely your cup of tea, there's a good chance that firehouse is going to have something for you because they have, They've now done this story. Now they're going to do another story, you know, and it's, it's not like the Monty Python and now for something completely different. Right. But it is, it's additive and it's adding on top of that thing. And, and um, the fact that we are getting that content, I think is, is huge. But but for me, uh, at one point, the buzzword was transmedia. Like it was, you wanted to be somebody who was working in the film and doing the comic books and doing mm-hmm. the tie-in novels, and 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 it was all out of love. It was all because we love these properties. We want to grow them. We want them to have this this wide breadth of 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 stories and information and characters that we love. And for all the people, when I when I wrote the Ghostbusters Ectomobile manual what does all the stuff on the ecto roof rack do and we <laughs> sat and we talked through it and we we surmised like well this is what this part does in real life so why would the ghostbusters have taken this and clutched it on top of their right. oh it would make sense to do this um th- that that level of detail which you don't have to know that in order to enjoy the films. Obviously you can go to a triple feature of Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters two and Ghostbusters afterlife. And who cares what all the stuff on the roof rack of the Ectomobile does because it does not matter. <laughs> um, but for, for all of us that over the details, it does, details. Wait, well, it it does to you. It and I. Matter-
0: no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but the,
1: like, and, and, and that's the, the
0: beautiful it even thing matters which it side may. of the car it's on. <laughs>
1: Well, that's the, you know, uh, sorry for all the people that were like, what the ladder's on the wrong side. Yeah. The ladder's on the wrong side for a good reason. Just
0: <laughs> shut up. It's um, canon now. It's cannon now. Just, just canon now. Don't
1: brace it and wait for the cool <laughs> things that happen in the movie, please. Um, but, uh, but, but the, the wonderful thing there is that when we build these things, it then sort of helps the next storyteller or the next person who's coming in to to add their stamp to it and 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 create an addition onto the the stories where you know who cares what the sequence of buttons are on the proton thrower that are needed <laughs> to activate it before you hit the activate button um we poured over that for i cannot tell you how long for the for the ecto manual and for yeah. the the um the the Maddie uh collector uh prop um and then you see Phoebe on screen being like safety's off and all of us go somebody read
0: what we wrote
1: <laughs> and, and and those kind of weird things just sort of occur where you go like oh we we provided that for 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 the the storytellers so um so to answer it's your amazing. question I am excited for just stuff to build and to, to open up. And I know Camille Nangiani at one point said like this movie b- blows things to bigger proportions to, yeah. uh, and and that's exactly what Ghostbusters needs because for right. so long it has been, you know, four scientists in New York city mm-hmm. uh, who are battling the supernatural and, um, and, and that in itself, as we have seen through real Ghostbusters and, and the IDW comics and the now comics, and there are so many storytelling possibilities there. But if you expand that, if you blow that up to something bigger, um, man, that's the sky's the limit. They can make movies until I am 60 <laughs> and I'm hosting the ghost heads thing that we were talking about. And. <laughs> Well, we're getting ready for Ghostbuster 16 and uh here with me is my great-grandchild uh <laughs> Benjamin who's going to I don't know. Yeah. Uh, like but, but that's that's what you want it to do. Like you want as somebody who has kids like when I see my daughter grab the ghost trap and, and strap on the the RGB pack that I had as a kid and is right, like running yeah. around doing all the same shit that I did as a kid. It's like, that's that, that right there is what it's all about. Like the yeah. fact that it is wish fulfillment and imagination that is now being passed upon to the next generation. If these stories keep it moving, keep it going, keep that goalpost going down where eventually my daughter will be watching. It was like, this ain't your grandfather's ghostbusters. I'm like, mm,
0: well, <laughs> yeah.
1: And everything will repeat. It's all mirror theory, but
0: I got very excited because my niece is, uh, turning, she just turned five. And when I talked to her on the phone, she said, we made slime in school. And I said, Oh, that's really cool. I said, do you like making slime? And she said, yeah. And I said, you're going to have cake for your birthday. And she goes, yeah, she goes, maybe I'll have a cake with slime decorations. I called my sister and I was like I didn't do this like you you put your kid on the phone with me. I said I, but just understand like what's coming play what's cool, coming Jay. now is just you know there's a box of, of figures <laughs> in a <the> closet <laughs> waiting for this
1: moment figures and 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 uh yeah the the ectoplasm containers and all that stuff yeah. Yeah. But it, again you have to play it cool like you don't want to force the kids into no, it like you want yeah. them to to come uh, to that on their own but uh but, yeah, but it is it important. Like what you're matter.
0: talking about, like the sort of building of like the next generation of fans and, but like, but also keeping together, you know, kind of like the connection that we still have with it. And I think that yeah. that's kind of what you're getting at is, you know, um,
1: and not gatekeeping it. Like if, if you've got, like, especially if you go on the ghostbusters Reddit, like it's mainly newer fans, younger yeah. fans who are coming to the table and being like, Hey, did you ever notice? Yeah. And then you see the comments underneath that are like, yeah, no shit, dude. Like but it's, <laughs> These are people who are new to it and you need to like, don't, uh, you know, it's. What,
0: you're you're not suggesting that there are like Ghostbusters groups on the Internet that have <laughs> toxic interaction, are you? You're well, not suggesting a thing that I've been actively like people are like, why doesn't Extraplasm have a Facebook group? And I'm like, there's a lot of Facebook groups out there. Kid. I know. And that's, there's that's a lot not of Facebook groups out there with a lot of carvings. Um, yeah, that's <laughs> that's
1: that's just fandom in general. I mean, it's. But, and 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 I think it is because we all we all have an ownership over things. We all have had a very personal experience with things, yeah, um, that we hold near and dear to our heart. So you know, it's like if if somebody if if your if your your mom passes away and your dad starts dating, you're like, well, you can't you can't be like my mom. Like my mom was like. <laughs> It, it's that same sort of, of, of like, I, that, that is something that is very specific to me. That relationship is very s- specific to me and sure. you can't yeah. have that, you know? Right. Um, and I think that social media has thrown a wrench into that because that, that has always existed. That uh, uh, Shatner being up on the stage, yelling at Star Trek fans to get a life,
0: <laughs> right, get a life. Right. Like, <laughs>
1: that has always existed because they <laughs> Star Trek fans felt ownership. And and when the show came back, they felt like that was their win. Like when Firefly came back to be a serenity yeah. movie, like the Firefly fans thought that that was them. And, and yep. it was, um, but then, you know, when things don't go your way, then you, you, you have a, a, a very visceral reaction to it. So uh, it's, it's tough. Like you have to remember that there are, five-year-olds like my daughter or, or 12 year olds, 13 year olds who just watched Ghostbusters afterlife. And it is the first Ghostbusters movie that they have ever seen in their entire life. They have never seen the original two films. (laughs) They've never watched real Ghostbusters. Yeah. And they are discovering this now for the first time. And you have to like, actually that's kind of cool. Like you have to put on a hat and be like, this is something very special to them. And they are now experiencing it in a very different way than we did as, as kids. So everybody's
0: relationship with the text is their own, you know, it's kind of that thing. Yeah. Kind of just, you got to roll with it. So as much as I'm joking about groups, you know, but yeah, I agree.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's you know the the Facebook groups. I mean, that's, that's Facebook too, but I have one,
0: I have one final and very important question for you. Yes. Does the fact that we have seen a frozen ghostbusters logo Does that get you excited about the potentiality for an NHL tie-in for the new (laughs) Ghostbusters movie? (laughs) I
1: mean, yeah, because the last couple of movies have gotten NBA tie-ins, which, mm, whatever, (laughs) like, okay. Um, Yeah, I mean... The, the frozen Ghostbusters logo in the long tradition of uh, Empire Strikes Back, Batman Returns. Uh, it, it, like that. I don't know why like great sequels have always gone to frozen ice planets for some
0: reason.
1: <laughs> uh, Ghostbusters too took place during Christmas. Um, yeah. it, I think that's just it's just sort of like an 80s trope. But um, yeah, man, if there was an NHL tie in. Let's see the movie schedule for December season starts in September. Yeah. They'd, yep. be, they'd be working on. Yeah. There might be some good tie ins I mean, there. And let's,
0: let's be real. Like there's a lot of Canadian influence in this movie. There is. Right. So I've been thinking about this a bunch. I'm like that. Like this is a great opportunity to bring together the awesomeness that is Canada, hockey and Ghostbusters all into one, you know, and like you could have different like Stay Puft could come out at different arenas. And he could like fight like with the mascots at different places. Like that would be. <laughs> I mean, yeah. If if only Dan
1: Aykroyd would have purchased the uh, the Senators, the, the yeah. The, I mean, like Ottawa could have become like the Ottawa Crystal Heads or something like that. And do you I know would... that you
0: were mentioned on this podcast like two weeks ago with reference to hockey and like, but just Matt Provenzal was on this podcast and we began talking about. <laughs> Canada and the Canada connection of things that at some point your name came up and then we said yes and also he's a hockey fan and he's a fan of the of the uh the Avalanche who used to be the Nordiques. So yeah. That's funny. Um, I haven't
1: gotten to listen to the Matt to Matt's episode I love Matt. <laughs> god, that guy loves Alf like nobody's business and we talked about that so, as well. Oh
0: my god. That um, um But yeah, but I mean yeah. back to this I really want like as much as I'm kind of joking about this and a part of me like there's an ad council Ad that drives me crazy from Afterlife. It's this picture of like it's from the poster. It's a scene that doesn't exist in the movie of like Finn Wolfhard has a proton pack and they're in the middle of the cornfield. They're all in front of the car. It never takes place in the movie. It's just like some promo photo that they use on the poster. Because, of course, like at no point does Gruberson and Callie stand with the kids (laughs) without the kids having flight suits on this out in the middle of a cornfield. Like we're all looking and like there might be danger on the horizon. But like that photo is used and like this big tie in became a tie in for the Ed Council.
1: Yeah. And for the, says, for the disaster preparedness one. Right. Is that the yeah, And, right it's, right? and yeah.
0: above it? It says always have a plan. <laughs> right. Which I'm like, no one in this photo had a plan. Like no one, the only person a plan was the dead grandfather. He left the plan <laughs> behind. No one, two of these people are part of the problem. That's they in fact become pawns in the, the, the bad guys plan who get together yeah. and, and do <laughs> things together, which causes more bad things to happen. Right? Like, and I mean, so I want an actual planned out. Like there was a pandemic. I don't expect that anything was supposed to make sense, but I'm like, I want a good bus ad. That's just like, Ghostbusters and hockey like just bring them together this is
1: there you go and also, you you, know. you have forgotten that C-3PO and R2-D2 were telling me not to smoke cigarettes back in <laughs> 1982, right? Look, like
0: that was... I'm going to be real. The reason to this day that I remember <laughs> not to leave the handles of a pot turned out on the stove is because Bugs Bunny and an evil pot told me once. <laughs> it was a cartoon. Bugs Bunny was there and there was a little <laughs> pot. And the pot, like the evil faced pot that was like, parents, you got to turn all your handles inside because otherwise they'll scold your kids. You know? I want to
1: scald the kids, yeah. yeah.
0: So, you don't want oh, to scald your children and burn them, and then you know, it's like Bugs Bunny next five seconds later is like, What's up, Doc? I'm gonna scald <laughs> Elmer Fudd and kill him. I'm sorry, totally <laughs> off topic. This is no longer a Ghostbusters <laughs> podcast. You've now had the full experience. Welcome, that's to, where, that's,
1: that's where you know, we take you here on Extra Plasm. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, I was meeting you as a guest. You've come on, you're like, This is what happens. <laughs> you survive like an hour with this guy, and whoa, this is where it goes. So, um. Yeah, but no, I I appreciate that you came on the show and I know that oh, your time hey, is valuable pleasure. and all that stuff. So, yeah, you have a million things going on. And, you know, I appreciate no, this. This was
1: the, this this was long in the long in the making. And uh, I, I played hard to get just to make it seem like I was more important than I actually was, Jim. So
0: Well, yeah. I still say you have to come back at some point and do the uh, we got to do the Groundhog's Day special episode. <laughs> yes it's like a one-off that's when i start my patreon and then i'm like i put this behind <laughs> the paywall the no bonus um, content yeah not a thing um,
1: but yeah that would be anyway. one of my first jobs uh out of college i was an assistant to trevor albert who was a producer on groundhog day so really? I, can, I can do my best I Can do my I best to talk i
0: didn't chocolate. even know that i was yeah. just like you can come on and we can talk about ned the head Ryerson <laughs> or whatever but
1: <laughs> We can read French poetry to each other. Wow. I, yeah.
0: y- you know, maybe there'll be ice sculptures <laughs> in the new movie. Maybe that'll be a thing. Maybe Bill Murray's ice sculpting skills he hasn't used in many years uh, will become very useful in the next <laughs> Ghostbusters movie, <Yep. laughs> but he's only going to be able to sculpt Andy McDowell. He's going to have to offer up little sculptures of Andy McDowell to, uh, whatever the big bad is in the next movie. No, so. Why do
1: you keep calling me Peter? My name is Phil and I'm like, wait a minute
0: what yeah phil phil connors
1: <laughs> ned Psh, yeah uh and and that's the end of it that's all they mentioned in the and ep- in, in the movie and we're like that was weird okay
0: <laughs> yeah what about his sister he, he took her to prom it seems like there was a lot going on there um yeah i, I don't know but um Anything you want to mention, anything else you want to throw out there a plug before you hop off the podcast? And- uh,
1: no, I mean, yeah, th- thanks for having me on like the interdimensional cross rip. Chris and I are, are, doing it sort of infrequently. It's going to be like every other week or, or so. Um, but yeah, the podcast is back up and running and um, I do have a couple of books that are coming out. So if you follow at Troy still plays, you will know what is coming. Uh, uh, Mar- Marvel, Ghostbusters, Star Wars, uh, the the sky's the limit. There might be some fun stuff coming down the pipe. But exciting, yeah, yeah.
0: cool. Are we going to get a, a new edition of the ectomobile book that is revised to?
1: That's a good question. That's something you know, that I, I wish we could do. I don't know. Again, like the amount of people that already own the ecto manual would they want to purchase another one i don't know um so the revised
0: edition it's like chapter 17 gunners yeah, yeah.
1: or or like a volume <laughs> two would be fun right like if we did yeah. uh you know the 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 new ectos that you haven't seen in, in the manual yeah that would be fun yeah that would uh, be
0: good and you yeah. can have an entire chapter on marine ecto 8 um
1: there yeah that's true we didn't get into the video game stuff and things like that yeah but no but but and, and even like afterlife and and firehouse i'm sure we'll have uh new cool stuff that we'll want to talk about so that's yeah, a good idea yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna go pitch that now i gotta there go there you go
0: <laughs> <laughs> and with that troy's now packing up all of his stuff he's like thanks for the idea dummy Boom. Uh no i'm calling bars but- so <laughs> <did Troy> <laughs> I so appreciate you coming on the show and I appreciate all of the insane support that you provide to this podcast uh, on a regular basis, because you have been so kind in telling people to listen to this since it started. And I genuinely appreciate your uh, that's vote the of confidence. Part, man. And, you, and you this making stuff, the show is so. the hard
1: part. Yeah. Like uh, us, us helping get the word out for you. That's, that's nothing. Yeah. You're, well, you're doing all the hard work here.
0: You're you're now in the running. If you don't know about it, if you come on the show, it's like jackets from SNL. The running joke is that if you come on the show five times, you get a you get a sequined robe. Like a wrestling oh, robe. Oh, sequ- but, I didn't know it was sequined. Yeah. I knew it was didn't a robe. Start out I there. It, was it started out that's... originally as Dana's robe from uh, Ghostbusters One, and Austin was going to make them, but it's rapidly accelerated into sequined robes that weigh forty-five pounds and are accurately <laughs> the weight of a proton pack. Um, none of this is actually going to happen. I'm We're not legally Liberace accountable rob? for any of it. But... That's I don't know. Okay. <laughs> but you've punched your card once, so we hope you'll come back again and visit for more times. Four
1: more, as long as you don't get too much hate mail for this one, yeah, we'll. we'll no, that's not out.
0: going yeah. to happen but um, thank you so much. And we'll talk to you again soon. Cool. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate you having me on. Thanks, Troy. Take care. That about wraps things up for Extra Plasma this week. I want to say thank you again to Troy Benjamin for coming on the podcast and joining us as a guest and sharing some insights and stories about his experiences working on Ghostbusters and other media related projects. And I want to say thank you as always to Brendan Pierce of Beducci Studios, who provides our logo, as well as Magnavox, the Vaporwave artist who's remix of Ghostbusters we use as a theme song each week. And of course, as always, I want to say thank you to you for listening, because without you, there would be no reason to have this podcast. And that means that it's always nice to hear from you as well, because knowing that you're out there and knowing what you have to add to the discussion is what makes the podcast better and healthier. So uh, if you want to support the podcast, you can, of course, leave positive reviews in places like Apple Podcasts and Amazon Music and Spotify and all those great places that really help the podcast to connect with new listeners. But if you have something you want to share, if you have commentary, you have something you want to add to the discussion, you can always reach me at ExtraPlasm on Instagram or Twitter or at ExtraPlasmPodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, for being a part of uh, what makes this community meaningful and valuable. And As always, as Ernie Hudson says, try to have fun and always keep on busting. Take care.